0: Hello everyone, there's a lot of you here and uh, I want to welcome a few folks up on stage while we wait for a few more guests and then we can get started. Uh, Thank you so much for taking the time joining us uh, as you're as interested as all of us in this very exciting, very confusing, very potentially groundbreaking news. Um, So uh, I want to introduce... Two folks up on stage, three folks up on stage already. And bringing up another one just now. And hey, Andrew. Hey, Atapai. Hey, and hey, Ben. How are you guys?
1: Doing well. How are you? Um,
0: a little bit, you know, palms are a little bit sweaty. Uh, this is a insane turnout. <laughs> uh, Twitter is indeed a public space, one of the biggest that we have. Uh, and hopefully, X Spaces or Twitter Spaces, whatever they call it now, will hold. And I want to invite uh, Sanghyo to speak as well. Ato Pi, how are you?
2: I'm good. I'm good. So uh, good to good to you know uh, hear from you guys in person.
0: Uh, Alex, uh, thanks for putting the space together. Absolutely, Andrew. Uh, we're gonna introduce Andrew, but many folks who are here already follow you and, and follow your work. Uh, How's your evening going?
3: Andrew? Hey, this has been a wild ride. Uh, Thanks for putting all this together. Uh, It's going to be great to get all the information in one place for the first time. Uh, This is my first time experiencing the full volume of the internet, and uh, it's just been a a lot of fun to see all the positivity around the progress. That's great. Uh,
0: So I'll do my best that, you know, moderating this, uh, I will... Maybe preface this, that I am not a scientist. Uh, Many of the terms that we'll hear today in the space I've heard for the first time uh, a couple of days ago. Uh, What I am is a Twitter dweller for many, many years. And I have collected a a list of folks who I I personally wanted to follow uh, to kind of see the updates as they roll out. And we've seen many, many things uh, roll out very quick uh, with a lot of confusion and uh, different replication attempts from different places. And uh, so I just compiled the list for myself. Started following ate A to Had incredible, um, incredible content. Diving into the, the timelines. I found. Uh, I, I want to introduce Sang Hyun. Am I saying this right? I think you need to hit the, the mute button and mute Sang Hyun If this is your first uh, time talking on Twitter Spaces, um, let me know if you're able to do that, and if not, we'll try to solve this. Um. And I, as I was collecting folks, uh, and I, I started seeing that Andrew started uh, doing the replication attempts and uh, even doing Twitch.
4: Can you hear me?
0: Can you yes, hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Hey, Seunghyun, how are you? Uh,
4: uh, it's, it, it's the noon in South Korea, and I'm fine. It's
0: afternoon, right?
4: uh it's one. Uh, yes yes it's at one p.m yeah awesome
0: and so i was just doing an introduction maybe as you were coming up you maybe have not heard uh some of it however uh folks in the audience who followed this uh kind of thread and how we came to be here um i have a, a thread that i'll post on top here that has all the folks from the twitter list that i followed and sanghyun and his his team uh, is basically the reason for the space. Uh, me and Nate Pai kind of found Sanghyun. Am I saying Sanghyun correctly? Is that is that the right way to say this? Uh, my name is So Sanghyun. So uh Your
4: your yeah. Your pronunciation is correct enough.
0: <laughs> okay, uh, I'll try my best to pronounce the the, the right names. And uh, so we both, me and Aita started following Sanghyun, who's in Seoul uh, currently and definitely speaks the language we don't speak. And so does a lot of uh, insight and translation. And so um, I guess we'll we'll get started. Sanghyun, feel free to present yourself and then talk a little bit about your last few days. And how you came around uh, getting interested in this topic, and then how uh, kind of what you found so far.
4: Uh, I didn't really expect you to speak. Uh, that's okay. You that's okay. I don't, Put, I, I me, want to put you. me on the spot. I, yeah. I don't want to talk
0: uh, but uh, give us maybe a brief so, summary.
5: Uh,
0: so, maybe. Like maybe.
2: Do, you, do you want me to help Sanghyun?
4: Yes, please. Uh, okay. you you have read my write-up, so maybe maybe you can explain what's going okay. on. Okay. Okay. So
2: I'm I'm just gonna uh I'm just gonna uh, just to preface everything, uh I, I'm writing a work of fiction, so all of you guys are just participating in an exp- in an experiment. So uh, but. I'm trying to keep everything to kind of like factual um, and trying to interpret what what is kind of happening on the ground, right? <laughs> Hyun is much more factual, um, and he he has actually been doing uh, primary source work. So he's been actually digging up the uh, actual Korean language uh, science papers. He's been sitting down with friends. Uh, they've kind of, you know, summarized and kind of tried to understand what's going on. Um, and he's really the one that's, you know, uh, put together this, uh, that that the... Um, you know, the, the, the mentor, um, you know, uh, whose name I think in, in some transliterations comes out to T.S. Chair, uh, some Dongsik. Um, he the mentor was basically, um, in, in superconductors, uh, in this idea of this kind of one dimensional uh superconductor, and he had this theory,
4: so, yeah. So the name is Che Dongsik, Chae Dong-sik. Uh, yeah, 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 Dongsik. Chae, he yeah. was a, a professor in the Korean University's uh, Department of Chemistry. Yeah,
2: and um, and so he he had this idea, uh, this theory, and um, he had uh, graduate students, and uh, one of those graduate students was Lee, uh, and Lee kind of took up the mantle uh, of uh, this this theory, and then they um, you know tied up with Kim, who was an experimentalist. Uh, And then they kind of discovered this trace, this ghost of a trace of a material uh, in 1999. And um, at that point, what happens is having discovered this trace, uh, their path kind of diverges. And uh, Kim, uh, the experimentalist, goes on to do a master's not in superconductors. Uh, So he does his master's in uh, something else, and then he does a battery materials kind of PhD, and he graduates in 2008. Um, While Lee continues on uh, the superconductor path, uh, does uh, experimental, uh, and when he publishes his PhD, it's both a theory and synthesis uh, of superconductors. Um, And then he graduates, and then he, he goes to work as a computer science adjunct professor uh, which we, ju- which we- which Young Young just found out, like a computer science adjunct professor. And he's there for about, you know, four or five years. Uh, he doesn't publish. Um, and, and I'm guessing at this point, he kind of gets like, you know, cashiered out of uh, out of academia completely. Uh, and he sets up a consulting firm, uh, basically Q Center, and they start taking on uh, consulting work. And um, and then again, the timeline is a little bit uh, unclear. On whether or not um, they continue to work on on the um, um, on on the product um, on what they discovered, and what happens then is in 2017, uh, uh, Che Dong Sik passes, uh, and as he passes, uh, he he gets his former students together and he asks them to finish off what they started to find this uh, superconducting material that they saw a ghost of a trace of uh, in 1999 and uh, he passes and they have no money basically. Um, song Hyung uh, has done again primary source research and you know the the office space is basically like a, like a two-story building uh, you know somewhere in the you know in, in Seoul. Uh, it's a very modest kind of office. they don't have much money. Um my guess, my guess is that uh, uh, they need Kim uh, because Kim is the experimentalist. And I'm guessing also that none of the theory works at this point. Uh, the only thing that they have to go on is that they actually did find something uh, in 1999. And uh, Kim, I'm guessing, is also uh, quite practical because he didn't do he didn't pursue the superconductors for the PhD, right? Because he's quite practical, he's like, "Dude, you get me money, I'll join you. You don't have money, I'm not joining you for your wild goose chase, right?" So uh, Lee goes out and he recruits Kwon, um, and Kwon is kind of like, uh, you know, he's, he's a US PhD, he has a research university, prof- uh, you know, uh, position. They recruit him and they get funding, and I think, I think Song Hyung, you were you were saying that. Uh, Kwon is the one on the, uh, you know, National Science Foundation of Korea's like, um, you know, um, list uh, uh, like uh, grant, right? I think I think that's what you said.
4: So the paper mentions the uh, public grant from South Korea called the National Research Foundation, which is like National Science Foundation in United States. And uh, Kwon is listed as a primary investigator. PI is then right, mm.
2: yeah, that's yeah. right. Okay,
4: so he's he's the PI,
2: so they recruit him as the PI. And JH Kim, who is you know Lee's partner, uh, basically leaves his very comfortable position as a research director in a
4: uh, here, yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yeah, the company aid, is called, yeah, yeah. I, called yeah for the ISL tech and uh, in manufacture, the battery is specialized for the hearing aid because uh, it is a medical device. Uh, they have a different standard from other batteries. Uh, and the uh, company is a small business in South Korea but seems competitive worldwide.
0: So he leaves his. Com- let me, let me yeah. intervene just real quick and just to give folks a, a quick summary. The mm-hmm. main paper that we saw the explosion from, that was published on uh, July 22nd, so a week and, and almost a day, so we're like almost eight days into this. Uh, the three people that you you just uh, said, besides the first professor Choi, or chair, or Choi, I'm not sure, s- several places write it se- separately. Uh, so the, the three people, Sogbae Lee, Jihoon Kim, which is the LK in LK99, right, Lee and Kim. And uh, the third person you just mentioned is uh, Young Wan. Quan yes. Those are the, the three authors on the paper that kind of was published on Arxiv out of the blue eight days ago. Please continue.
2: Right, and then so at this at this point uh, they're in 2017, and um, you know Lee goes out and does the fundraising. He recruits Kwan, who's a research professor. Uh, Kwan is basically he's on the paper. He is he's, he's the principal investigator on the grant, but he's still uh, a professor at university. So he's basically I'm guessing like a day a day in the you know in the office uh, at Q Center, very modest place. Uh, I think the grant size is pretty small, and they get this uh, ESR machine, and again from what I can tell. Uh, the ESR machine only Kim knows how to use it because none of the other people are actually synthetic, you know, synthesis people. They're all like theory guys. Uh, Kwon is a physicist. And Kim himself, uh, J.H. Kim himself, he's looking for something which you have to know what you're looking for, right? Because that's what he says in his LinkedIn. He's like, I'm looking for something. If you don't know... What you're looking for, then forget about it, right? But he he knows what he's looking for, and they refine, and they refine, and they refine, and he keeps doing experiments. He keeps refining the experiment, and he goes through like a thousand iterations, and somehow, uh, starting in 2018, somehow by the middle of 2018, they find it. So I, that that's a surprising thing for me because they've I, I I I suspect they they've been working on it, you know, before or um uh, you know Che and lee had a breakthrough on the theory so they knew how to narrow the workspace down but somehow at, in at the end of the day kim is the one grinding through the 1000 experiments uh, finally to get you know a sample that works and then they start uh, no, no, by...
4: no 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 so uh so... Besides the two papers, there is a paper published in April, written in Korean, and uh, in their own words, uh, they describe what what prompted their breakthrough in two thousand eighteen, and it said that uh, so so they are putting the material in a quartz tube, and uh, because they cooled it too fast, the quartz tube quenched and broke, and uh, the material left after the breaking of the glass was uh, uh, had the property they wanted. So, so, it was an accidental discovery.
2: So, can you repeat that? Like, they, what, what happened? They put it in the quartz tube and the quartz tube broke accidentally? Yes.
4: Yes, yes, yes. I see. And uh, and and that was the breakthrough in 2018. I That's see. what they say saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want I to see.
0: confirm what I hear. Uh, the breaking of the quartz tube led to the incidental discovery. This is this is the the breakthrough, as it's written in the first paper in Korean. Yes. Yes okay so I'll just call A just give me a uh, for some logistics folks if you look up on on top of the space there's a few tweets we're pinning and as we go along we're gonna add some information on top of this the third uh, the third tweet pin from dystopian breaker uh, has a link to the original kind of uh, Korean paper uh, so please go ahead Aitop.
6: so so quick, okay. quick point yeah go ahead go ahead to, this this could be important because uh, you know, as as soon as you expose it to the atmosphere, you're potentially getting hydration and, uh, hydration, you know, might be harmful, might be helpful. It, 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 from this like little account, it seems like it, it, it either didn't do anything or was helpful, but, um, uh, like knowing what temperature it was at when it broke and, and things like that could, could actually be really pertinent.
2: Yeah, so absolutely, like, so it's not, it, it, he does do the thousand experiments, but the thousand experiments, whether that gets him there or not, at one point in the experiment, the quartz tube breaks, that gets them there, they get lucky, right, so they get they get lucky, um, and then after that, things proceed pretty quickly, they isolate, they isolate it, um, and then they, they get the crystallization, they start working on uh, the papers, they start working on the patents, um, and they start also trying to figure out the chemical vapor deposition process. They seem to have made some way, some headway on the chemical vapor deposition process. And then, you know, um, sometime around September 2021, some things start happening. Quan takes a position, uh, a sabbatical, at, um, I think, Seoul National University at that point. I'm not sure whether that means he's putting more time in the office or not. And then that fast-forwards to...
4: Yeah, go, go ahead, Young. Uh No, 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 you go ahead.
2: Okay. So that fast forwards to about March 2023, uh, when basically the international patent uh, has been filed and uh, Kwon leaves the team at this time. I'm not sure when uh Hyung Kim comes on board. That's not very clear to me at, at, at what point Heung comes on board. So um, I'm, I'm guessing it's after the nature the nature paper gets dinged in 2020, um, and 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 you know the, the other thing that strikes me also is that every single person on the team uh, is very aware of every single hoax in superconductors to date, right? They 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 all know the space well. Uh, they've seen every single hoax before. Um, they know they know what the hoaxes look like. They know what to look for. They know what diamagnetism is. Um, so I I, uh, I don't think yeah go ahead.
4: So uh, the date is so the day before the yesterday, Andrew Macaulay posted on his Twitter the translation of the Korean paper at DocDroid, Is that correct? And can can you so so how did you translate? And can can you say something about it?
0: Andrew, I think uh, uh, he's referring to you. kind is referring to you. Uh, you posted a translated paper also, right?
3: Yes. Now, that was uh, just a machine translation from Google. That was just a very cursory translation.
4: OK.
2: So in basically, Quan leaves the team in March um and then you have the kind of papers being released you know haphazardly the next the next point that we know of them is that they had started releasing the papers haphazardly like late last week um and and then and then and, we have and all,
0: by day, i think it's yeah. it's important to highlight uh, by day, uh, quan the guy who's no longer affiliated with q center like this the sole endeavor uh, a business venture that's funded to for, for this uh for this purpose uh, Kwon is no longer affiliated with that. Uh, we've seen uh kyun posted an interview in Korea from Friday, where I think both Lee and Kim say that uh, Kwon, the guy who published the first paper, is no longer affiliated. Uh, there was some speculation as to maybe the limit of three people on the paper is the limit of the Nobel Prize or to three authors. I, I don't have this confirmed, but there's a speculation going around. And it's important to know that like both of them say that the paper was not ready when it was released, uh, and it was released by Quan, the guy who left the first paper. Two hours later, two hours and twenty minutes later, uh, another paper gets released and in, in the same archive uh, with, I want to say five authors, not including Quan, right? So yeah. Lee, yeah, and, and the, the user, the,
2: the username yeah. is Hyungtak. <laughs> Hyungtak. Uh, okay. The the college professor from you know Virginia uh, is the username uh, who who pushes the arXiv uh, paper at that point.
4: Yeah, Chanta Kim is a big name with 80 index of 45. And uh, uh, if you look at the paper, there is an error message in Korean saying that a uh, bookmark could not be found, which is a neutral error message when you did uh, some of the typesetting wrong and uh you just don't publish the uh room temperature superconductor paper with the error that says bookmark cannot be found if you are uh hurrying uh uh, if you are in not in emergency
0: so, yeah. so it, it does feel to us, at least from the summary so far, that the paper that Kwan released uh, has uh, different information than, than the second paper. And the second paper feels like it was released in a hurry and included more people that currently work at Q Center, uh, including uh, Hyunta Kim. And, uh, uh, Sanghyeon, I want to ask you this question. You mentioned his H score or something score. Can, can you explain the importance of that score for Hyunta Kim?
4: Uh... Please, uh, someone else, (laughs) to the explanation.
0: Okay, so so the h score is
2: you know because we have a web web savvy audience here. It's kind of like a page rank for um you know um, uh, uh, researchers. It shows you how influential uh, how influential the researcher was, uh, and so a higher score means that more people have been citing uh, your paper.
7: Uh, Go ahead, Ben.
2: Yeah,
1: uh, more precisely, so like an h index of say forty means you have 40 papers that each have 40 citations or more. Um, that's a little tricky to understand. So like, if I get another paper that has only 30 citations, it won't affect my h index at all. I have to get a 41st paper that has 41 citations to, to, to make it rise.
0: So I think it's it's safe to say that uh, Hyun Takim, the, the guy uh, who submitted the second paper, uh, potentially haphazardly, correct? Like we're, we're, we're saying there's everything in the paper. Yeah. Uh, two hours after the first one, so likely prompted by these events, uh, is a well, well um, cited, very well cited um, scientist with a very high kind of confidence score. It's not like a random person of the street that decides that there is now a superconductor of room temperature, and you know, verified it. Okay.
4: Uh, sorry for being sidetracked, but I just checked the. the uh... Machine-translated Korean paper uploaded to Dark by Andrew. And on the page 5, it clearly said that the quartz tube was destroyed due to internal pressure during rapid cooling of reaction and etc. So I think, uh, uh, in fact, nobody really read, read it carefully. It is, it is just there about the quartz tube was destroyed.
2: Yeah. So I think I think it's uh, yeah definitely like probably the the rest of us are are, are not very close readers
4: um, of of that paper. Uh, so so uh, we can we can continue on after the upload to the archive. Uh, indeed.
2: So okay. So they they, they it, it goes into our, our archive. Uh, and then all of the events of the last week happened. Um, you know, uh, I don't think any of us expected any of the events to happen. <laughs> so we've all just been kind of like following along and seeing what happens next. I had no idea that there was a Metallics conference in South Korea. And I, I definitely had like no idea that, you know, uh, one of the authors would show up there. And it gets posted on Twitter. And so, uh, and then, and then Seon uh, points it out on uh, the FM Korea football message board. And so we translate, you know, what the audience uh, reaction was uh, in 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 a bad translation uh, to get so, whatever uh, message if I, if, was across. So if
0: you don't mind, let me interject here because this is around the time that I found out about this. Uh, Alex... Uh, uh, frozen Coffee Alex, I forgot his uh, nickname uh, we invited him here he posted a, a very long Twitter thread that caught the attention of the algorithm and then boosted of this uh, uh, room temperature ambient pressure superconductor paper from Korea, I think he only started talking about the first paper and then after the second paper also came out uh, and I think at this point or somewhere around there, Andrew you found out about this uh, when, when did you first hear about You know, Twitter drama around LK ninety nine and Andrew, feel free to please, uh, you know, introduce yourself uh, officially and Varda and how you're interacting with this.
3: Yeah, so I was just cruising the internet at night and this came across. I think my my Twitter feed, and so I I'm incredibly curious. This is something that has been a bit of a, a hobby for me, and so I was always interested in superconductors. So it it caught my attention. Um, so I'm a mechanical engineer. So full disclosure, I am not a subject matter expert. I am simply an aerospace engineer uh, that has a lot of curiosity and um, uh, some assets at his disposal. And so uh, reading this paper, it, it struck me just the simplicity of, uh, of the process. And so I realized that I probably had the ability to uh, replicate with full fidelity the process that was described in the paper. And so that within about 30 minutes, I, I realized I should simply um, start down this road that Twitter was already picking up at the time. Uh, there's some conversations going back and forth. And it, the it was the classic scenario where it, on every superconductor discussion, there's the same Uh, conversation that happens over and over again and this synthesis appeared so simple that it seemed that the uh, most expedient thing was to simply test it physically and so um, my my work is very uh, receptive of of after hours projects Um, I'm I'm known as the the guy that has really uh, aggressive hobbies let's say And so I'm always in the back doing uh, something interesting with uh, materials or automation. So within 30 minutes of reading the paper, I had kicked off orders to various uh, chemical suppliers. I'd reached out to overseas vendors um, to uh, try to procure a couple of the uh, uh, the elements. And so uh, it was just kind of an offhand comment that I made on Twitter and and then the ball really started rolling. And I realized that everyone wanted to see this uh, this made. And so uh, it was just supposed to be a, a, a fun little project, but I was really overwhelmed by the the response. Um, everyone wanted to, to see this done. I think there's this incredible um, uh, curiosity. There's this incredible drive you know, People want to see like incredible things happen for the, the the human race, and so something of this magnitude pops up. Everyone's motivated to drop everything and investigate, and I
0: think that's where we're at. And I think you met the algorithm at the right place, where folks were excited about the future and think this could bring a lot of changes around the future. And you started saying, "Hey, you know, here's a here's a direct approach. Let's try to replicate this." And I, yeah. I want to just highlight the fact that. <laughs> The, the materials involved in creating this and the process, uh, some folks say, and please talk about this, um, some folks say that had this been an attempt at a hoax, it wouldn't be as simple. They wouldn't have released a simple instruction manual kind of quote unquote simple uh, that many labs around the world can replicate given the materials and, and the right equipment. Right, uh, so yeah, the so, straightforwardness but, of this potentially shows some stuff. So
6: this this is a good time for, for a PSA. I mean, I know that, uh, that Andrew is well aware of this and, and, and many of people, the people who've been following it, but in case anybody who's listening uh, uh isn't. Um, the, these compounds uh, in vapor form uh, at any rate uh, are, are highly toxic and uh, you you have to know lab safety if you're gonna uh, start trying to experiment with them. You need things like a glove box and uh, uh, you know all kinds of PPE, a fume hood, uh, everything else. Uh, taking risks with this kind of thing is just really not worth
0: it. I, I, I so, can't stress that. Absolutely. Definitely. Absolutely. Definitely don't try this at home, kids. Definitely. Yeah,
3: absolutely. There was a lot of chatter in the beginning, and the first couple hours, about this can be replicated in a garage. And, um, you know, I, I thought it was interesting. I thought maybe we've got the opportunity to to do it safely. Um, we've got all the right equipment, we've got, you know, the, the millions of dollars of equipment that support our spacecraft uh, business. Um, that allow us to do some of these things safely. And so I thought Twitter wants to live vicariously through somebody. Why not do this? I ended up being in sort of an interesting middle ground because I'm not in academia. Uh, I'm also not trying to commercialize any part of this tech, really just doing it for fun because it's incredibly interesting so I've got no skin in the game except for making this work in a transparent manner and then getting the materials into the hands of the experts. So I thought if we can leverage some of our equipment and uh, some of our you know, very smart people that we have to speed this timeline up, I didn't see anybody in the United States being vocal about um, trying to do replication. There are so many stories coming out of uh, other parts of the world that um all the labs, there must be thousands of furnaces burning right now trying to replicate this. But I, uh, I wanted to, um, get material into the hands of some local experts in California. And so that's really our, our goal is, you know, can we, can we sort of be the face of, uh, of the internet, do this experiment in a safe manner and then, uh, help advance the science and be sort of a forcing function to, um, to doing this replication.
0: So, Andrew, just before, uh, just a, a small pause before you continue, I want to ask uh, the other Andrew here on stage, Andrew Cote, uh, if, if you're able to unmute and, and, and talk to us, uh, if you're uh, available, uh, about the potential uh, reasons why all of Twitter jumped on this. Andrew uh, Cote, you had a uh, thread on uh, room temperature superconductors uh, what two weeks before this, like almost a pernicious kind of uh, a threat. Uh, and uh, could you give us some summary, first of all, feel free to introduce yourself, but also some summary of what this means if this replicates, what this means for the world, uh, applications, uh, can you give us like uh, some excitement of w- what happens if this is an actual ambient pressure in room temperature superconductor? Andrew. hmm Does not look like Andrew is
8: Oh hey, sorry, my uh hearing. my audio cut out for a second. Oh. I, I missed the uh prompt.
0: Oh yeah. there you are. You want me sure, to ask yeah, again? Sure, Yeah, thanks. Thanks very um, so, so, uh, folks, so, so I, I, explained to folks your thread about, uh, ambient, uh, you know, pressure, room temperature, superconductors that you've, uh, authored, what, two weeks before the paper came out, uh, and then suddenly this drops. uh, and I wanted you to highlight some of the potential applications of superconductors and give us some of the highlights of what happens if this replicates and this is an actual, you know, real thing.
8: Yeah, sure. So it's kind of a funny thing. Um, yeah, I put that thread out there uh, seven weeks before this story broke. Um, you know, just I have worked with this kind of stuff um, in, in a few different areas now. So it's very, you know, superconducting radio frequency cavities are standard technology in accelerator physics. Uh, it's a field I used to work in. My, my first job in physics was actually in a condensed matter lab using a, a scanning tunneling microscope to look at, you know, electronic structures of potential high temperature superconductors um so this has always been sort of like a holy grail of material science sort of a holy grail of applied physics um it's one of these properties it's one of these materials where the bulk properties come from its quantum mechanical behavior uh and and you know when quantum mechanics and its effects escape the realm of the very tiny it can really manifest as as magical phenomenon at our scale in, in the world of the kind of the bulk matter, the big stuff. So, um, you know, superconductors are used currently today. Um, you know, it's it's they've reached engineering applicability through decades of continuous refinements and improvements. And, and some of the biggest things to think about in what lets these things get used in industrial applications is their ability to superconduct at higher and higher temperatures. And also most also importantly, is to operate at higher and higher background magnetic field strengths. And so the way to think about this is that a superconductor, it's allowing current to move through it with zero resistance, um, but it also perfectly expels magnetic fields. And, And there's an operating point of these materials where it's basically the current density and the temperature and the magnetic field kind of put the bounds or the performance envelope on the material. So some conductors can carry tons of current, but they can't exist in a very high field. And so, um, you know, uh, those are hard to make as useful. You can use them for carrying like electricity, which is awesome, but often what you really want to do is generate very strong magnetic fields. So I think maybe the most familiar to most people here would be like an MRI machine, right? Magnetic resonance imaging. So the idea there is you're generating a very high strength field, and magnetic fields are measured in Tesla, for example. Um, so just for just for context, you know, three Tesla is is a pretty strong field, and that's what is about the strength used in an MRI. So you know, MRIs use these cryogenically cooled magnets, or, or they're not always cryogenically cooled. They're actually often just copper, but they do have cooling. Um, but they generate this high-strength field, and then, you know, it kind of sets all these little protons in your body spinning and dancing in a little, you know, kind of radiating energy. And then you have a pickup coil, which is like an antenna. And the antenna is trying to pick up that energy and kind of reconstruct what's going on in your body. And this is how we can get, like, a really high-detailed, high-fidelity, three-dimensional image of what's going on inside someone without any invasive surgery. So it's like, you know, MRIs are a real kind of amazing breakthrough in medical imaging Um superconductors, if they could work without cryogenics, would really simplify and make cheaper and more available high-resolution, high-fidelity 3D images of people's bodies, Um, not just for making the magnetic fields, but also for picking up the signal emitted by the protons that get put into motion by the uh, field in the first place. Um, So it's kind of like one sort of off-the-shelf example. Um, I think another one that's kind of under the radar, if you don't think about, it's not just in carrying electricity without resistance, which is useful for long range like energy transmission, that kind of stuff. But if you look at the national grid, I mean only five, seven percent of energy total, which is still significant, but it's you know single digit percentage. Uh, ends up, you know, burning as weight.
0: You're suddenly muffled. Hey, Andrew, I think Yeah, you're suddenly a you know, voice uh, like your from... Oh. Um better. Now it's better. Okay, yeah. sorry
8: about that. Yeah, so I was going to say, so, you know, national grid scale energy production, right? So trans- transmitting the energy to its endpoint consumption, there's a bit of waste heat along the way. Um, but what's, what's also important to think about is how that energy is produced. It's produced also using high strength magnetic fields. And um, I was looking into this. There's a uh, experiment where these guys used sort of more modern high temperature superconducting tape to you know retrofit a large dc generator and then it had like a 36 percent uh power improvement right uh which is pretty substantial That's, that's a it's a serious win um yeah so there's there's you know sort of thousands of places this stuff could be used that would really just like you know it would either uh greatly improve the performance efficiency reduce the cost increase the accessibility of what we think of as like High technology like MRIs or uh, particle accelerators, Um, but it would also just decrease the cost of basic things like electricity generation and distribution, Um, and that's just the beginning, right? So you know this kind of stuff. There's a really good analogy here, actually, with a transistor. You know, for for years, scientists and electrical engineers and physicists they had this idea of a transistor, right? If only we could have some kind of simple, reliable current multiplier, we could design all these wonderful things. We could design all these different kinds of logic functions and so forth. And so there was this search for the transistor, like people were searching for something that could do that. And they had anticipated all the places it could be used ahead of time. And it wasn't until at Bell Labs, you know, a very kind of funny crossover here. One of the guys that's on the patent for the transistor is John Bardeen. And John Bardeen's actually the only guy to win two Nobel prizes. One was for the transistor. The other was for the theory of superconductivity, right? Which is Bardeen Cooper Schrieffer theory (BCS). Um, so again, it's one of it's one of those things where you know physicists, scientists, engineers kind of thought about this for a long time, realized this could be amazing. And there's been this you know really complicated random walk through the configuration space of possible materials, right? Which is so high dimensional. There's so many possible things you can construct. Um, so I think it's, I'm very optimistic about, uh, the field in general. I think one thing to think about with this particular result, there's so much artisanal craft and and mastery that goes into producing these materials in a reliable, consistent way. You know, science people don't often recognize it's a lot of art involved too, right? Like, like things that are reduced to expert practice and know-how. And so I would just be cautious on, you know, jumping to conclusions, either, on this particular result, if it's if it's valid right now, but also if some labs can't fail to reproduce it, it doesn't actually rule it out entirely. I, I think there's some scientists that have traveled to Korea to work with the original authors. I look closely at that. Um, you know, I'd also, you know, I, my internal odds are kind of like a one in six chance this pans out, and and it could be big. Um, but that doesn't mean that it's the end of the search or the end of the race. And I'm and I'm also optimistic that. Getting people to understand what the massive long-term and large-scale social benefits of this kind of discovery could be could help direct a lot more basic science research towards this field. Um, you know, I think we spend a lot of things on like how to make smartphone cameras better and not a lot of things on, and not as much as we could spend on things like high-temperature superconductors. And just as a final example, I mean, so right now, you know, I work as a Stellarator engineer. Stellarator is a type of magnetic confinement fusion reactor. The reason the company I work for can exist and and the reason there is this current boom in nuclear fusion is because we've engineered these high temperature superconductors to work in higher and higher magnetic fields at at higher and higher temperatures. And and the big economic breakthrough there came when we can have these uh, superconductors that can work at liquid nitrogen temperatures, right, which is 77 Kelvin. And it's a lot cheaper to make liquid nitrogen and run that kind of cryogenics than it is like liquid helium at like four Kelvin. So, um, you know, we're already reaping some of the benefits of this sort of tech stack maturing over time. And I think it's really just getting started in terms of like the hunt for promising materials. I mean, I'm hoping this results in positive publicity and more effort, more energy put into the field. I think if this doesn't pan out as the thing, you know, don't give up hope, right? I mean, this is a long term game. Um, Science proceeds by starts and stops. There's no fundamental physics here that's impossible, right? There's no physical principle that says this can't work, right? This isn't like a a momentumless or massless uh, uh, propulsion drive like the EM drive. This isn't like superluminal neutrinos, right? Those things kind of break laws of physics. Um, This is very much in the realm of yeah, physically possible seems seems very big you know in my mind seems likely there could be something out there given the complexity of state space of electronic structures and given how you know po- how large that space of exploration can be um and yeah, so i think i'm just kind of you know this is a great time to be interested in material science to appreciate basic science research and um educating ourselves on on how good the future can be you know i think there's a lot of narratives right now in society and culture in general that kind of say like you know um you know, we, we can't solve our way out of our biggest problems today, right? And and I'm very much on the other side of that debate. I think we can. I think it's through efforts like this. I think it's through people like Andrew at Varda that are willing to do stuff in their backyard or their garage or their fact, or their, their work, workplace on their extra time, you know? I mean, this is the kind of, this is the the let's build mentality, right? And so I think we can build our way out of the world's greatest problems. And I think it's fundamental scientific advances like this discovery could be that, that kind of pave the way out of there, too. So, Yeah. Overall, very optimistic. Andrew?
3: That That's Andrew? A, incredibly well said. That is uh, an incredibly well-balanced viewpoint. So how would you advise people to absorb the the next week of the news cycle? I mean, we're very much on a, you know, we're, we're back, it's dead, we're back uh, type of hype cycle. So how do you advise people to think about the results that they're seeing, knowing that this is a a very difficult thing to replicate when it, just because it, uh, a negative result is shown at a lab, that doesn't mean it's not physically possible. It's very difficult to prove the negative here. Um, so tell us how we should absorb the news cycle coming up in the next few days. So I, 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 I,
2: I, I, might, I might say something about that. I think, I think this is basically tacit knowledge transfer. And you, Kim, Kim seems to have been this kind of like artisanal, like, you know, experimentalist. So you need people to actually sit there in the lab with this guy and he needs to demonstrate to them and they need to pick up and, and there might be things that he does, which he didn't write down that that's like my, my take on it, given that he's the experimentalist, he's the synthesis on the, on the team. Given that the team seems to have been only like five or six people, is that this guy is the maybe the only person in the world as of like, you know, 18 months ago. I'm guessing that, you know, he managed to transfer some of that to the Hume Tux team. So I'm guessing that at least, at least one more, one more team on on Earth has this now. And I'm guessing that this knowledge transfer is now happening to a couple more people. So so you need to see this progress maybe two or three cycles for like a bunch of other people to have learned the skill and then that's when that's when things get interesting
4: uh i mean you don't really need to replicate to to verify this there the the team can just the team has the working samples they can just the samples to the labs around the world
6: well, that, that's, that's true, but, you know, this, this doesn't help us if it's unobtainium, uh, you know, as far as every other group is concerned. Uh,
4: so we heard rumors that uh, they are willing to send samples for the serious experimental groups. And in fact, they are already shipping samples.
0: That's what I heard. We also, uh, we have uh, somebody who's in the audience, and welcome to come up as well. Uh, 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 Jesus Lars, I think, from uh, physics at MIT. He had a thread about uh, somebody, his colleague, who's already over there. Apparently, there's already folks looking at, and Jesus, you're welcome to come up. Uh, He just DM'd me. Welcome to raise your hand and come up. I'll, I'll find you and and talk to us about your colleague. But apparently, there's like co like at 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 the point. There's already research happening, and folks are like reviewing this. I would also say uh to to uh, to add to what Sangkyun said. Uh, the 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 authors, at least the the second paper authors, not Quan, who's hard to reach. And we'll talk about the the metal. Uh, c- c- uh, Convention, sorry, I'm eating my words. The metal conversion uh, convention that happened on Friday, where Quan presented the, this this research, could have been the reason why he released the first paper. Um, the, the author of the second paper also said they're willing to work with folks. So they threw shade on the uh, the kind of the release process, but not the science within the paper. Right. So it looks like both folks who work there, uh, they definitely. Uh, sorry, sorry, both. both. The kind of the first paper people and the second paper people—they all believe in the science. And unlike the previous um, attempts at superconducting dice or days, uh, if I'm not mistaken, this seems like everybody here. Some of them are very credentials, like we said. Uh, all believe that this is what they have. And I just want to like add additional point, and then I want to acknowledge some more folks on the stage. Is that uh, so, some folks are throwing around if it's a diamagnet and if the results or everything, it's just a diamagnetism result. Uh, I would love for some folks on stage to tell us uh, what this is, but also the the people who work there based on their credentials, based on the papers, seem to know the difference between just like a regular diamagnetic uh, um, effect and a superconductor, because they've been working for a long time. Uh, This does not mean that what they have is is what they claim, but it definitely means that this, like, you know, we're trying to peel the, the onion here, from uh, the, the layers of the onion uh, based on very limited information that we that were able to get uh, about whether or not this could be replicated but at least we, we can look into whether or not it seems like a, a a fake attempt or or a fraud or something like this and a lot of the things that we've covered here before um, the process the you know the two papers all of them triggered this like almost a gut reaction from the scientific community like oh well, this is you know the the papers doesn't is, doesn't have all the required materials or so the paper is not fully fully done, etc. cetera. Uh, we're trying to highlight why this potentially happened uh, and whether or not it means anything about the actual science or the actual achievement that they had. Um, Sanghyak, uh, you had a comment before and then I wanna recognize uh, Jesus, who I saw the tweet from about the MIT professor that's over there talking to the folks. Um, so okay. feel free Sanghyak and then, Jesus. So the Ben
4: raised the hand and wanted to speak.
0: OK, so ben. just before I get to Ben, uh, uh, just before I get to Ben, Ben, if you don't mind, I want to hear from, uh, uh, I'm, I hoping I'm saying this right, Jesus. Hey, welcome to the stage. Hey, thank you.
9: Yeah, you're saying it right. So there's two professors that I'm very close with from MIT. One of them is a physics professor, and he doesn't focus exactly on superconducting. The other one does focus 100% on superconducting. So when I heard about this, the first person I reached out to was him because actually I wanted to try to replicate it and he told me it was a very bad idea. And then he later told me he was actually in Korea and he was gonna ask them for, and his plan was to ask them for a sample just so he could test superconductivity. And I told him, perfect, like, can I share your message about not replicating it? I'll keep you anonymous. And he said, yeah, that's perfect. So I did that and I've been trying to keep him anonymous as well and then I sent him. A f- I told him I would also like reach out again to see whether he succeeded or not in replicating. And I sent him some more emails, but he hasn't responded. So I'm hoping, or maybe I'm guessing, he has more important things to do this time. Maybe it's actually succeeded. I don't know. Um, but I guess my personal feeling is we can't really know until replication happens or until someone like him actually tests it and it succeeds. So I'll definitely let you guys know as soon as I find out.
0: Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, uh, Ben. You had a comment from before. Go ahead. Ben, if you still if you still here and you can unmute and wanted to go ahead, and if not, A2P, go ahead. Okay, so I, I have a couple of questions uh, for
2: anyone who might be in the know. Um, so there, there, you know, JH uh, Kim mentions using a ESR machine. To find the initial trace um, in in nineteen ninety nine, what is that like? What what is he doing? Uh, what is he looking for? And he also says later on that he's using this MAMA M A M M A process, like, and that no one else needs to you know knows how to use it. Like, what what is he actually doing? What what's actually going on there? So i
6: I'm not familiar with the latter, but ESR is electron spin resonance. Um, it's uh, a pretty standard technique in organic chemistry.
2: Right on. Um, if, if anyone else has the has, has any idea, Mama, just just put up your hand. Maybe Alex can pull you up. Uh, the, the second question I have is to all the scientists in the in in, in you know on stage or in the audience. Um, the paper submitted to RC, the second paper, the six the sixth author paper, has at the very end of it a kind of like you know a split of uh, credits where they're very very specific like you know, uh, so-and-so has an equal split, so-and-so led the, you know, fundraising even, um, you know, so-and-so, et cetera, et cetera, so-and-so was support on these items. So is that is that common in, like, scientific papers in, in even organic chemistry or inorganic chemistry in the West or in Korea? Like, how, how does that work?
6: It's it's a recent development. You see it in, in a lot of places. Some some journals are starting to require it. I, I gather.
1: It's useful for parsing who is like the a PI or one of the you know uh, people who runs a lab on the paper and who is like actually doing the work. Um, I think that's like one of the main utilities in it.
0: Awesome. And so um, I, I want to go back a little bit uh, in, in, in our kind of research about the timeline, right? So uh, what we do know that also happened on Friday, I can maybe also speak a... to um, the, uh, oh, go ahead,
1: the like, in- inorganic synthesis methods that they were describing. Um, so I, I think the general idea behind that, again, it's kind of hard because using acronyms I'm not familiar with, but you have this material that you've synthesized, and it, it's not pure at all. It's probably a, a, a mixture of, of who knows how many phases. And you want to find, uh, if you have a trace amount of superconducting material within that, you want to figure out, I mean, do you have that trace? And if so, what is it? And so they probably just synthesize batches and batches of this stuff. And then they run this technique to see if there's any superconducting material in there. Um, and if they do, um, they, they think, okay, well, I, I did this synthesis slightly different than the other ones. Uh, so what, what phases might there be more of in this batch than in the other batches? And then you can refine your synthesis and get closer and closer to some some batch that has like more of that phase pure material. Um, I I really think that a big problem, so I like I'm on these email chains of people trying to like replicate this from the superconducting quantum materials and systems center, uh, which is at like based around Fermi Lab and Argonne National Lab and Northwestern, and um, the inorganic chemists uh, seem very uh, skeptical that the material that they say they made is indeed what they made. Basically, I think they have, they think they, I mean, they don't, are not making any value judgments on whether they do have a supercharacter, but they don't think that based on the synthesis they described, they would get that structure. Uh, They just don't think it's like physically possible to get that through the synthesis they described. Uh, And simultaneously, the uh, theoretical people uh, don't think that the mechanism they've described makes uh, sense given the synthesis and uh, that, that it's superconducting or supposedly superconducting. Um, so whether or not they have what they think they have, um, will I think people will kind of see. I think it's important if they give these samples to people, I think the best thing to do will be to just put it in a microscope and do uh, basically diffraction to completely index the structure. Currently, they've only done x-ray diffraction and that can tell you what the space group is. It's a little too technical, but it can tell you like what the structure of the material is, but it doesn't tell you uh, what type of element is in each of the positions. And that's like
9: crucial, crucial.
2: Um, so so uh, just a, f- a follow up on that, like, Seonghyun, um, h- how much was the the grant from the Korean National Science Foundation uh, for, for this project? Like, h- how much money did they have to work with here?
4: Uh... So, so if you are a researcher in South Korea, you can search for the grant number and get all the data. And I have numbers, but I don't have it at hand. Like, uh, I don't have access to the system, but my friend had. So I I received everything about the grant. But uh, it's not a lot of money, but I don't know the exam- exact number right now. Uh, I want to talk about the uh, updates after the uh, two papers were uploaded to archive in a chronological order. Um, when one, uh, one, and... be, before before
6: we go on, because uh, you know we just touched on this point, um, there was the notion of of like you know trying to enrich for for uh, uh, the right phase uh, from from everything else that you've got. Um, I didn't. Uh, you know, I could have missed it. I didn't see any mention of it in the paper, but on uh, J. H. Kim's uh, uh, LinkedIn, one of the slides that he has alludes to it. He talks about uh, separating stuff chromat- chromatographically and spreading it out as a film and analyzing that. and and that's that latter method. And um, that actually is probably, uh, going to be critical to identifying uh, the, the right phase, at least early on, as anybody is trying to optimize their synthesis. Um, and I'm actually like kind of multitasking right now. And I'm looking at papers uh, where, where people are, are separating out uh, 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 superconducting particles.
0: And uh definitely folks follow Eli for, for updates on this. Uh something go ahead. You, you wanted to, to, okay, to connect okay some more dots. So uh
4: the paper. So so I found about the this room temperature superconductor from Hacker News on Wednesday. It was on the uh, the very first item on the front page for hours and uh, uh I was especially interested because the researchers were from South Korea and I'm from South Korea. So uh, like everybody else, I started to search with the search engine. And the thing with the search engine is that um, today machine translation works very well and uh, you can uh, read for the materials in other language, but if you don't know the language, it is uh, hard for say, uh, people who only know English to search for the Korean web. So, uh, so I so the material was named the LK99. So I immediately searched it for the Google Scholar and the uh, Korea Citation Index, which is that uh, every significant paper published in South Korea is indexed. And I immediately found uh, the paper of. Uh, previous paper published in april and i read the three papers and uh the next day uh, i kept searching for the uh, media report in uh, both english and korea and uh on the on i think it's the wednesday the, on the first day a uh, new scientist interviewed the uh, hyontak kim uh and the next day uh the first South Korean media to interview the team is a Chosun Biz. Uh, they say that the reporter went to the office and met with Sophie Lee. And uh, on the third day, on the Friday, uh, Sophie Lee again talks with the Yonhap News, which is like the Associated Press press in South Korea. And um, the very Peculiar thing about these interviews is that uh, Seokbeol Lee is uh, telling different story on the Thursday and Friday. On Thursday, uh, it is like that the team uploaded to archive, intending to publish, but on the friday interview they say that it was not intended to be published so uh, i think the what he said in uh, thursday is a lie to protect the secret that uh, there is an internal conflict in the group uh
0: I just want to add, uh, there's also and I think we've covered this briefly, but please, um, the, the way I found you at least on Twitter is because on Friday, there was an international materials uh, kind of uh, meeting consortium, uh, which was international, but it, it was in Seoul, right? And we know that uh, on the, the list of speakers, Nobody talked about any superconductor stuff, but we do know that Kwan, the guy who published the first paper, is no longer affiliated with Q Center. He gave a talk uh, on, at, the, at the conference, kind of simultaneously with Lee uh, getting interviewed in the media. Kwon went to this conference and gave a talk, and even I think we have some folks on Twitter who actually kind of took pictures of the presentation. Uh, Could you talk about what you found out about the conference and what was said and what was shown or not shown, presented or not presented? So
4: it, it was a big conference, so multiple people in South Korea and abroad attended the conference and witnessed the talk. And uh, many of them wrote about it because it, it's an interesting story. And uh, the poster on FM FM Korea, football manager Korea, <laughs> even said that uh, he is writing this for karma because uh, he knows it will be immediately avorted or <laughs> not. And uh, he was right about that. Um, uh, and... Uh, so the, what story says in common is that uh, people ask to see the actual sample and the demonstration of Meissner effect. And uh, uh, it is said that one bro- brought the sample and it was shown, but uh, no demonstration was performed. Uh, why that is the case is unclear. There's also I something mean, about
0: a, a translator, correct? What? There was also something. Uh, this conference international and uh, English-speaking presentations. However, this presentation was translated by somebody else, and and Kwon gave this in Korean. Is that? Have you, Have you also seen this?
4: Yes, yes, yes. Uh, everybody agrees that Kwon gave a talk in Korean, and someone translated for him. That's very interesting.
0: Um, uh, okay, so I'm young. and then and then you you're watching this news, you're reading the the newspaper. Uh, you went also and talked with your, some some of your friends. Um, uh, what what more can you tell us from from your research, from reading, from the stuff that gets lost in translation that you've picked up on several of the papers?
4: Uh, so this morning, uh, me and uh my friends are two people so we are three people were uh, so so actually most of the writing was done by kang Hun, who is in the audience and uh we discussed uh, uh how to revise it and publish it it's almost three thousand words and it is hard to summarize but the main point is that uh careful reading of three papers and uh, context of its publication we can learn from the various interviews and news articles and the incidents with the international conference is that uh, three papers are talking about completely different things like uh, the proposed theoretical mechanism for superconductivity Uh, is all different and there is no commonality at all and why that happened is an interesting question, and uh, we, I think we arrived at the answer that explains all the oddities of these papers. So after the space is finished, you may want to read about it. Uh, I mean, it, it is a long story. I cannot summarize it. So I, I, I have an unrelated
2: question for, again again, the researchers out there. Um, you know, again, being like, for me, uh, and I think I've, I've seen this before, if you really had like such a such a wondrous material, and this, this stuff will let you see stealth jets, right? Like, you if you if you put it on your radars, you will be able to see uh, stealth jets, right? So w- would there be some national security concerns about like, actually doing like peer review and stuff like that? W- would there be would there be like governmental intervention to kind of keep it as a trade secret?
5: So at this level, I don't think this is not. Um, I guess if you were working on like a patent, you know, uh, an, an actual technology, not a patent, but an actual technology to do that, that might be ITAR or something. But uh, not at the fundamental science level, that's not um, a concern. So
0: hey, Robert, can you can you introduce yourself, please? Uh, welcome to the stage. Uh, oh, hi. Introduce. Yourself.
5: Yeah, I um, I work in the in the uh,
0: as much as you can.
5: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I work in the aerospace field. I, I got hired out of, uh, my, my thesis where I was working on, uh, like cuprate superconductors, and I, <laughs> I never finished that thesis, <laughs> but yeah, so I'm in the, in the working on like aerospace manufacturing and like a material science in that field. So, yeah, I, I so I'm a little familiar with that. Like, if it's at the, if it's at the like, basic science level, like we're at here, like that's definitely not like ITAR or EAR. If you're talking about actual like high performance materials, maybe. For but folks not in the audience, so, stuff.
0: What? So, uh, for folks in the audience who are not familiar with ITAR and the, Oh yeah, it's
5: like export control. Like, uh, you're not supposed to just be able to sell missiles to whatever country, if you're in, in the U.S. But that also applies to, like, technology and sometimes really advanced materials. So, yeah, it's just, like, export controls over that. You have to go through, like, you have to go through crazy approval process to, to do that. But, yeah, it doesn't apply to, like, really base, um, basic science. So oh. that's interesting.
0: And uh, and I think the, the thing that interests me specifically is- we know that uh, there was already a paper published before kind of the ArcSight paper that Kwon uploaded, right? We know there's a paper published in Korean, um, uh, and he left the company by the point where, where he published it. We don't know why, you know, the, 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 prox- the close proximity to an unannounced uh, conference appearance could be, one reason there could be other reasons uh, the three authors of the paper and infighting about novel Prize. i think somebody in her group said that also chinese media so Chinese social media kind of has the same conclusion where you know the, the the that's uh smoke you know potentially there's fire though there, but it definitely it seems like smoke because if it's this big then potentially there's, there's some novel stuff um but we this wasn't restricted information. That's what I, I want to say, right? Like the paper in Korean has many of the information here, and it was already published, like for everybody to just find. And also, there was a patent uh, applied for. I don't know if they granted the patent. I, please, please correct me if I'm wrong. Also, around April uh, or even before that, the patent was was applied, and that's also wasn't like restricted.
4: So, so I can talk about patents. There are multiple patents applied, and one patent is granted in Korea. The, the very first one. Hey Seung Hyung,
5: I I have a question for you about um about the samples because I, I agree with you like, the the synthesis doesn't actually have to be. I mean, we're still just knowing if this is a real thing or not. Like that's the most important thing now. I think not synthesis replication. So. Um, do you know who the samples are being shared with because as long as the samples are being shared it can be verified and replicated like the we can know for sure if this is real or not
4: i have no idea
0: uh, Robert, uh, Robert, just before you enter maybe you have seen this uh, or heard this uh jesus told us about a potential collaboration uh in in potentially in the lab uh, I don't know was if you can confirm whether or not the professor was there for the conference uh, because it just make would make sense uh but you don't have to I know anonym, uh, anonymity was promised uh, but yeah we, we heard from a potential collaboration or at least a request uh from a, you know f- from folks for I think MIT and uh, we also know that some folks on the paper said they would collaborate and even potentially share samples with folks who, who request this uh additional thing that pretty much important uh, to, to convey to everyone. Now that this information is out there, we uh, we have somebody in our group chat, I don't know if she wants to uh, to come up, uh, but uh, definitely worth uh, following the list that, that I've kind of talked about, Elza. Uh, she's following Chinese social media and there's many attempts in China and some of them were even live streamed uh, wink at andrew <laughs> some of them were even live streamed i think today to also replicate and uh, this definitely goes back to uh, andrew coat where even an attempt to replicate they will not you know show the the meissner effect meissner effect or or some properties it does not necessarily mean that what they have is not a superconductor right like it's not a complete negative
8: yeah, totally. I, I can just offer, you know, some people in the call might be a lot more familiar with how patents work than how scientific publishing work. And so, you know, an archive preprint submission, something that's not peer, peer reviewed. I mean, I mean, just for context, science is hard, right? Most things are not reproduced. Most findings, most results are very difficult to reproduce, especially in things like material science and, and especially life science doesn't mean that there's not scientific discoveries, it it just means that the number of free variables is very hard to pin down. Um, And sometimes scientists can't even reproduce their own results because they weren't aware of everything that happened. That that being said, you know, in the patent application process, right, in the United States at least, there's there's a provisional patent application, right? And then there's an actually approved patent, right? So you can think of an archive preprint submission as like a provisional application, right? It's there to establish priority, there to kind of claim the ground, plant a flag, get your name on it um, but it's, it's you know it's not it's not the same as an issued patent right so a lot of excitement around this topic science unfortunately has a hard time following our attention span and the speed and rapidity of our news cycle so you know just kind of be patient um, be patient that understand this stuff is tough and and yeah I mean I, I think other people echoed here, so just repeat it myself but I'd watch very closely for, for people that are collaborating with the original authors um, that's the kind of proof of the pudding. If if they can, you know, if you have people that visit the lab and say, yes, we tested ourselves or we had other equipment, that's really awesome. Um, other labs saying that they can't reproduce it. I would expect that. I would expect it's very difficult to reproduce. That's, that's true of the vast majority of scientific cases. Um,
0: yeah, that's what I'd say there. Andrew, is it true to say that we basically have two ways to know if uh, this is quote unquote real? One of them is reproduction. If we actually see some of the effects and then, you know, under microscope, if uh, everybody's hope looking at uh, Andrew's Twitch, we, we can actually see like the rock levitate. And the other one is if we actually get a sample from their own lab and somebody an- analyzed that, like their own samples, so, right? Away by reproduction, away by like analysis. Is that is that a fair assessment?
3: Yeah, that, that's absolutely fair. But the, the most efficient route is exactly as Andrew has described, the other Andrew, is verifying the physical samples that already exist. It is incredibly inefficient for the other labs across the world to try to replicate this process, because like you said, this is arts and crafts. This is, it's very difficult to replicate some of these processes. Uh, they are Uh, subject to a lot of process variables. And some of these process variables were not uh, well described in the papers. And so there's a lot of ambiguity left to um, the people that are trying to replicate like myself. So I don't expect any um, chance of success. I mean, the odds that I can show it are very, very low uh, because there's, there's still some question marks um, about, some of the finer details. So I would much, much rather see those physical samples that do exist from the original authors make their way into the the hands of people that can analyze them. Uh, and then once we know that it's physically possible, that this effect is in fact real, then it's the job of uh, other groups around the world to do that replication and show it's repeatable in nature. But, um, yeah, it, it's just a matter of efficiency. And I, I think that the people trying to replicate without the knowledge of the original authors are going to have a tough time of it. And we should expect a lot of negatives and that's okay. doesn't mean that it's it's fake. It just means that it's very difficult to do.
8: And, and just to chime on to that point before I think uh, Jesus goes or someone else, um, if this doesn't pan out, do not come away from this experience thinking what a hoax room temperature superconductors it's never going to happen forget about it um, not at all the not at all the takeaway here right not at all the takeaway i think it's the opposite actually it's that scientific, sci- science is a collaborative human enterprise that spans generations of research scientists it's artisanal knowledge passed down from generation to ge- generation and it's something in which you know, in the words of venture capital, it's something in which humanity gets a performance fee, right? This benefits everyone across the board. So, so this is not the Super Bowl of superconductivity, right? This is, there's been other previous high-profile discoveries that have been later retracted, but the march of science uh, goes ever onwards regardless, right? So, you know, for people who are just learning about this stuff, this is a, this is one story in a field that is many decades old and has a lot of potential. It could point at some really new, interesting lines of investigation. Um, and if it doesn't, then then that's still a win, right? Experiments only fail if you don't learn anything. And so our knowledge is constantly growing on this topic. So just don't 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 be uh, too heartbroken.
0: I want to uh, oh, before we get to hisos, I want to I want to give Rob a, uh, a chance to add to this because I know you have something to say on this topic. Uh, RoboBit, if you can hear me, and if you cannot, right, yeah, else on mute. yeah. Go yeah.
5: Ahead. Um, I posted a thing in the chat, um, just showing kind of the recent, um, progress in superconductors and like over the timeline since they were discovered, um, a uh, hundred years ago, and um, we're pretty, we are very close just with the the hydride based uh, superconductors, and uh, obviously they have high pr- um high pressures that re- are required too, but there's possible ways to like engineer around that. Um, anyway, so yeah, I, I agree with that. And also just improving um, cuprate superconductors. We haven't really commercialized that totally yet. Like we're still be- building I- ITER, I-T-E-R, which is the international project to develop the first like break even like tokamak fusion reactor. We're still building that with the old um, uh superconductors so like we haven't fully used even um, developments from the 80s and it takes even if this is real it would take decades to fully like utilize this and uh, there's still a lot of there's still a lot of ore to mine technically to yeah to deploy superconductors
9: just I, I uh, think add
8: some color to that picture or did someone else want to go first
9: I just want to say something real quick because um uh...
8: Alex had asked about it before.
9: So regarding uh, like the professor I talked to, I asked him, and this is kind of the point you guys were making, I asked him specifically, are you planning on replicating this in your lab? And he said, I'm not gonna replicate it until they send me a sample and let me uh, let me actually test the sample first for superconductivity. So that was one thing which I found interesting. And the second thing, was, so he kind of seems, it seems like he thinks it's not worth the time to try to replicate it, is like, the vibe i got and the other th- unless he contested um and the other thing whether i think i'm not sure if he was in korea for the uh, material science conference but i emailed him as soon as i heard about this which was pretty much like almost a night that uh, i guess like i first heard about it from an a16z investor i think but yeah i i immediately emailed him and he was already in Korea. So I suspect that he was just there for the material science conference as well. And one other thing which is interesting is not just him, but uh, also the other professor I spoke to who's a physics professor, both of them kind of seemed like really tempered in their expectations. So they weren't as excited as I was or like a bunch of people on Twitter about like, oh, this is the one. They were more like, you know, this is better than most, but we've seen a lot of things like this in the past that ended up being retracted. We're not exactly working. Um, and I think even if this is not the one, like we get closer and closer every time. This is a very revolutionary technology.
8: Yeah, just to add on to that, so so Eater, the plasma thing in France, it's using superconductors, but it was designed in 1980s, basically, basically. So 1980s technology. Um, fusion companies today, the one that I work at and, and most of them like Commonwealth Fusion, um, we all use what's called Rebco tape, which is rare earth-bearing oxide. And, and just to understand, you know, how much uh, engineering improvements go into this kind of thing. So that, that actually was discovered in the mid-'80s as well, and it won a Nobel Prize. Um, but for a long time, the material was far too brittle and did not, um, did not perform well in high magnetic fields. And so, uh, you know, there's been, a, there's been more than 30 years of, of engineering improvements to bring RebCo HTS tape, as it's called, um, to the point where it can be industrially relevant, right? And so, yeah, So I think people, you know, this this hit some virality. I think it has a lot of optimism in it and, and, and deserves attention. Um, but, yeah, I, I would second that motion of sort of, you know, let's be tempered in our expectations and cognizant of the long, uh, you know, history of progress in this field. Just for context, I mean, when superconducti- superconductivity was first discovered, people never thought you could get this anywhere above 4 Kelvin, right? They were like, okay, this is, you know, this is extremes of temperatures. This is the thermodynamic limit. This is uh, some, this is a very bizarre phenomenon in nature. The fact that we've been able to get this happening for, at higher. So Kelvin temperatures, is
0: just just above the, the absolute zero, right? Like it's very, yep. very low just for yep. neg
8: negative two hundred and seventy degrees Celsius, right? So it's it's almost as cold as you can get. Four degrees warmer oh. than as cold as possible. Um so you know, um, we this has been a field of defying our expectations again and again, and and people, you know, so so now people say, well, look, we've had these higher temperatures, and just you know, if people see these plots floating around. The big thing here it's that people reach higher and higher temperatures with these materials, but the most recent ones have done so at extremely high pressures, right? So pressures on the order of say a million times the pressure of the atmosphere, which is you know difficult to <laughs> package in a consumer product. Um, so you know, uh, so yeah, so yeah. No, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic. I'm pretty bullish. Uh, I'm
0: reserved. Uh, thanks, Andrew. I want to get to Mark. Just uh, re- re-
6: really uh, quick point, just because it, it really follows. Yeah. So I, I agree with a lot of what he what he said, but um, uh, two two things. Uh, so for, first of all, uh, at the same time, it, it took longer. Uh, In the past, but right now we have, you know, the way they solved things in the past uh, as, as examples. So we know that that certain things can be issues. And we have like the way that they were solved, plus all the ways that people tried that. May not have worked with those materials, but could very work, well work with these materials. Um, the the other thing uh, that I want to mention is one of the things that really caught my attention about LK99 is that um, they have a theory for exactly why it works at ambient uh, pressure that makes a lot of sense, and that is the copper substitution straining the lattice, right? And and that to me made it at least potentially uh, uh, credible as a theory.
8: Yeah, it's, it's an interesting take. Um, I think there's one thing in the. Uh, Andrew,
2: Andrew, could you? Could, could yeah, Andrew, just Before you could, continue,
8: uh, could
2: we just uh, have evening Marsh? Evening. Marsh up because Marsh has been waiting to speak. Well, you all can can go on.
7: I um, I, I can wait. It's fine.
2: Please,
0: please go ahead. Uh, we already interrupted the flow of okay. thoughts here. Uh, Marsh, I want to hear from you, and then from uh, Robert there. And, uh, and in
5: Hyun, I I just wanted to say he has his hand up.
0: Yeah, Seng Hyun uh, as well. So Marsh, please go ahead. Uh, tell us tell us your your thoughts here.
7: Okay. um, So, I mean, I've been really interested since I first heard about uh, this potential development. And, of course, you know, we all expect to be disappointed. uh, But at the same time, it's really, really exciting just because of the incredible potential of this material. Um, I was reading some of the earlier uh, PDFs on archive, and I noticed uh, it looks to me like an error in... Um, the y-axis label on one of the graphs so I emailed the email addresses of the the team in Korea that I was able to find and I said um, you know figure five on page nine um, looks like the y-axis may be possibly correct Um, and on that chart it showed 0.1 times 10 to the negative 2 ohms per centimeter As the superconducting, approximately the superconducting resistivity, and I, and I emailed. I said, you know, that's not really that super of a conductor at all, Um, and it doesn't match any of the other numbers that they had uh, published at the time. And I didn't really expect to hear back. I know these guys would be super busy, but I did hear back from uh, Kim Huintak. I apologize if that's
0: not uh, the right way to say his name um but so he, him him is the author uh sorry the guy who published the second paper and also the guy with the credentials who came in with the high score him right is that who replied to you
7: yes that that was my understanding as well um he replied thank you so, so very much for your good comment uh we're gonna check the data one more time um we think in changing the data, the dimensional parameters was messed up, etc. Et we would like to show the true data in the attached file. Now, okay, I'm not in the habit of like forwarding personal emails that, that people respond. So I, I'm not going to like disclose this this thing. But he attached two slides and, and one of them was already disclosed at the conference um, in the other day. What was that called? The MML, MML, MML 2023. Like I can, there was a leaked uh, camera photo, and I see this same graphic. So I'm going to um, put a, a higher resolution uh, version of that in the nest here as we speak. So awesome. apologies if I sound a little distracted here because I have to. Yeah, sure. you have to wrestle
0: with the with the Twitter on you know UI and put it up for us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so like
7: I'm on my computer and then I'm on my phone because I So Marge, do while you put this computer.
0: up, uh, I want to hear from uh, Sanghyuk. Oh, uh, sorry, Sang Hyun, And then uh, please put it up and then uh, feel free to add some more commentary to, to the slide after you added this. Sang right. Hyun, go ahead.
4: So I want to say two things. The one is that. uh What we say HTS, high-temperature superconductor, it really happened in 1986. And the group who discovered HTS uh, won the Nobel Prize in physics very next year in 1987. So while the surface of probability is low, it it did happen in the past, like uh, in 1987, Uh, more than 50 groups in the world replicated and improved upon the finding. And there was a conference dedicated to it. And it was called Woodstock of Physics at the time. And on the 20th anniversary, New York Times did the recap of the so-called Woodstock of Physics. It is a very fascinating reading. If you haven't read it, you should have read it.
0: Awesome. While we wait for uh, March to, to put it up, March, go ahead. Uh, okay. also,
4: uh, also, one more one more thing that uh, so so as I pointed out, it really happened in 1986, so it could happen again. But I also have the low probability of this succeeding. So I want to propose that all the speakers in this space share their. Uh, personal probability of this working out, like, uh, Alex, you can call the individual people and uh, ask them the probability.
0: I uh, before we get to probability, I want to hear Marsh uh, uh, put up the slide, and then we can talk about this, and then definitely we can get to kind of the, the juicy bit where folks here with experience kind of give uh, there have got feelings about this, although it, it seems that at least some of it we already kind of get, get summarized. Um. Okay.
7: Um, I put the slide in the nest. It's the one furthest on the left right now. Um, it is a graph of measured volts on the y axis, microvolts, and applied current across the lower axis, milliamps. Um, you know, that's a thousand fold difference in ratio but it's what you would expect if you were attempting to measure very low resistances, resistivities. Um, But one thing that concerns me about this is uh, there's noise in the data, uh, but most of the data points are below 0.0. So there is a bias to this at the microvolt level. Um, It looks like maybe Uh, 1 20th of a microvolt, like half of a a 10th of a microvolt, so uh, 50 nanovolt um, negative bias in their meter reading. Uh, That seems like a reasonable amount of error for a high quality voltmeter to read. Um, But I don't see any signal whatsoever here. I mean, I know it's supposed to be a superconductor, but when the x-axis is modulating the current between minus 30 milliamps to plus 30 milliamps, I would expect to see some kind of correlated noise there even if the uh, probes were just touching each other and and measuring each other. Like um, In another slide, I, I have a picture which looks a lot like pictures we've seen before of it looks like maybe a semiconductor wafer probing apparatus with a big uh, aluminum disc labeled or maybe steel disc mass tech, and then uh, four gold probes touching the surface of a large square uh, sample of some kind. The probes are, are they're in four probe points in a linear configuration so this would be Probably a four-terminal Kelvin type of measurement setup, um, and if this is what they use to measure the data in this graph, you know, I, it's not in encouraging to me, to be honest, because this is in this is consistent with maybe one of the probes just not touching the the sample. Uh, very reliably Um, like if if you had a probe lifted off and the voltage reading was not actually you know registering the sample sure I mean you could get a a very small you know nanovolts type of noise in the voltmeter it's not a cryogenic voltmeter uh, I assume Um, and and it seems completely uncorrelated with the uh, x-axis of I mean, 30 milliamps is a lot of current, plus minus. If what you're measuring is in the nanovolt range, so I mean, yes, it looks like an extremely low resistance material. But what it doesn't, what would in, it encourage confidence a lot is if they said, "Oh, well, we used our same setup and we measured, you know, an existing superconductor or you know, high purity gold or." you know, we touched the probe tips together and and zeroed the apparatus and then we measured the superconductor and we saw some some kind of difference. Um, So that's all I have to share I I hope it's interesting or or helpful to other people. And um,
0: I want to say it's most interesting and I want to give uh, folks on stage the chance to react folks who uh, understood much of this, uh, this uh, a bunch of it went above my head. Much one thing I would love for you to uh, kind of re recap, if you could. This graph is the fixed graph that Hyun took uh, emailed you. Where on the second paper, this graph does not make sense. Is that? Uh, am I getting this right? The graph that they published in the second paper could have been potentially like maybe an error or a hasting error. And this is the the graph that you got. Um, with like the fix essentially, uh, and the same graph was presented at the MMO conference with the new uh, y-axis. Am I am I kind of recapping this correctly? There is a very similar
7: graph. Actually, this graph looks like it's also in the one two zero zero eight PDF paper, the th- the first the three author paper. Um, it, it looks like Figure One B. And, and this is what I just can't reconcile. Like Figure One A looks with the applied current measured volts. Um, it's showing a phase change. Now, look, I'm no physicist. I'm not even a EE. I'm just a really interested uh, experimenter with a with a six and a half digit DMM. You know, who, who's played with these kinds of measurements a little bit, um, but. I can tweet that just for reference, um, but in the 230712008, the three-author paper, Figure 1a. How is that not um, evidence of a superconductor? I don't, I don't care about the Meissner effect or you know all these or the what was it a, a density change or or something like that. I mean, if it uh, has a a very strong kind of step response to um, temperature and applied current, where it literally flatlines the measured volts as the applied current is varied. It's hard to say what that would be, other than they're measuring a superconductor. So, green. there's there's a lot of you know hope and you know conservative. Um, you know, not wanting to be disappointed, but I just don't, um, some of the charts that they've published, it's, it's hard to explain those any other way than they are seeing some kind of superconductivity or uh, material phase change that is dramatically impacting the conductivity of this material.
10: Hey, this is uh, Ken Condon. I'm one of the Sparkies here at uh, Varda Space Industries. By Sparky, I mean electrical engineers. And I was curious why you think the um, current source source steps should be correlated with the voltage measurement. Um, A lot of times those are, I'm not familiar with their particular setup, but additionally, if you're measuring like something with a really, really low um, source, I mean, you're going to have noise on your reference of your current source. And that's going to be um, statistically independent from thermal noise on your amplifier for your voltage measurement response. So I actually wouldn't normally expect no- like increases in your current step to be correlated with um, kind of like noise changes on your voltage. If that makes sense.
7: I yeah I get it. And but let's say you took um, four probes. You you know about the, the Kelvin four wire uh, measurement connection. Yep.
10: So very, very familiar.
7: Let's say you took that setup and you just connect, touch the tips of all four probes together. So, you know, there should be no sample at all. There should be zero resistance. Um, I think in those circumstances, modulating the applied current plus minus 30 milliamps would probably show something on a nanovolts scale. On the other hand, I may not have used equipment that's high quality enough um, to not show some type of correlated noise. I'm just relating my feeling um, that uh, if you're measuring down at nanovolts, I mean, sometimes you just move the wire of the probes itself a little bit and you get big uh, changes at the nanovolt level. That's my experience, but again, You know I've never used what looks like a a wafer testing setup and who knows how accurate what kind of what kind of shielding did they have around this measurement. Um, So you know if somebody has more experience with you know fancier equipment than I have access to, uh, please, please uh, I'd like to be wrong about this.
0: Marsh, I want to slide in here before before you continue to react. uh... Folks, it's an hour 40. We've covered the human drama, we've covered kind of the events as much as we found. We had uh, Sangyuk here um, uh, going and translating the right places. So we've tried to give you as much information as we were able to sleuth around the internet in this kind of one summary. Uh, so we'll definitely summarize this. Now we're going into like extreme nerd mode and I'm here for it, 100%. Like the space won't stop until we have folks debating and discussing and hopefully we'll find some stuff. Uh, but if it's not for you, obviously that's understood. I just wanna shout out to folks who are currently on stage. Maybe, maybe some of them won't have the the the, <laughs> the the interest to stick around, which is fine, but uh, yeah, please let's go ahead. Let's try to find, you know, if, if there's fire beneath the smoke, can go ahead and then uh, Andrew Code, I think you had a reaction.
8: Yeah, totally. I I would. um, I forgot who said that, but I think it was a well reasoned statement of you know uh, trepidatious uh, uh, optimism, but also some confusion over the measurements. I I think Figure one one A in the three author paper I'm looking at right now. You know, the measured volts is in millivolts, and the the scaling interesting choice of scaling. You know, maybe maybe a log, like a logarithmic scaling on the y-axis would would show a lot more interesting stuff here, just because. yeah, there's some stuff missing there. I, I would also, so in terms of you know things in the paper that are a bit off or whatever, um, here's something that I, I haven't heard a lot of people talk about, and it's mainly their measurement of heat capacity as a function of temperature. So a very consistent result with superconductors is that as you cool them down, and, and here, I'll just give some background first. So, so heat capacity refers to um, how much energy something can absorb for its temperature to go up by one degree. And and really what it's doing, it's measuring the available states that electrons can occupy in that crystal lattice, right? And you can kind of think of it like as you get colder and colder, those available energy states become frozen out of uh, of what's accessible. And so you have a declining heat capacity. Now, a really consistent result with superconductors is that as you approach the transition temperature from a high temperature cooling down, you're cooling it down, you're measuring the heat capacity, how much energy does it take to cool it down by another degree? As you approach the supercritical temperature, you get a spike in heat capacity. And and what that people usually interpret that as meaning is that suddenly there is this energy state that tons of electrons can fall into, that can absorb energy and fall into. Um, and, and, And that's kind of like, very much tied in with this sort of canonical theory of superconductivity, which is called BCS theory, right? And it's all about um, electron-electron coupling. So in the three-author paper, something to kind of just point out for people is that they failed to measure that important result showing the increase in heat capacity as you approach a critical temperature. And they didn't take that to say, does this call into question whether this material is a superconductor? Rather, they said, this is a support for an alternative theory of superconductivity that does not involve electron-electron coupling in a crystal lattice, but electron-phonon coupling. And, and so that's in the weeds a little bit. But just to point out, you know, so there's some measurement issues. There's some, some data visualization issues for sure has been mentioned. There's this other, we didn't measure this super important property. And we choose to interpret that as supporting an alternative theory of superconductivity. And so that's another kind of like a strike against this. And that's one reason I think you might be fine scientists that just dismiss this out of hand because it's sort of like, oh, well, these guys messed up. They're trying to push some, you know, not as popular interpretation. Um, so, yeah, there's that's another thing I just put on the table of, you know, what are the pros and, and cons in this in this result?
6: So, so one thing that jumped out at me and I you know more about this field than, than I do, but uh, at least I was interested in knowing what the carrier mobility is. Uh, would be. I don't know if that's what people go for first or, or early in terms of characterizing a new superconductor, but uh, the, the fact that they're talking about uh, electron phonon coupling, uh, it would be quite remarkable if the carrier mobility turned out to be related to the speed of sound.
8: Yeah, I'm, I haven't seen anything in this paper on that in particular. Um,
7: Can I ask for the audience, what would the speed of sound have to do with anything? That sounds like it's something that would come out of left field.
6: The spe- speed of sound in, in the medium, because that relates to phonons.
7: And phonons are
6: uh, quantized a, a Mechanical ca- vibrations, yeah, quant- generally quantized.
8: I'm not as familiar with uh, that being a, a sort of Key figure of merit in in measurements of superconductivity.
6: Um, no, not not at all for for things that and that that would be like a remarkable thing, and that might explain why they didn't talk about carrier mobility because they're probably still working on it. If there's anything to that.
0: All right, folks, uh, the nerd discussion—the uh, the one that goes way above my head. Uh, I very appreciate it. This is recorded. We're gonna put it up, and we're gonna analyze and think. I uh, thank Marsh for the absolute alpha here, right? We we have email correspondence with the team. We have uh, some unprecedented cover uh, discovery about you know a uh, potential of this being actually true. Uh, I want to say that one of the things that uh, Sanghyuk. Uh, and we've talked about is going around the room by speakers and just like giving some amount of probability given all we've heard given the a very weird way those papers were published the multiple papers uh given the missing pieces that we're now collecting together there's not like three papers with different measurements however there, there's a bunch of stuff given uh some folks on stage here who actually tried to replicate and some other folks follow other replication attempts given some folks who, who talk with the researchers in mit i want to go around the stage and to give folks a chance to kind of um put their chips on the table, if we will, and give maybe some amount of probability of whether or not LK99 is actually is a room temperature, ambient pressure superconductor. Um, feel free to go, unmute yourself, and, and say. Otherwise, I'm just going to call out some names. I think, uh Sangkyon, uh, let's have you go first. After your research and you've talked with friends and, and doing like on the ground translation, uh, where does your probability lie in having this be actually a superconductor? Can you hear me? Yes, sir.
4: Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so there is a thing called the prediction market. which is that then you have, you should vote about values, but bet about your beliefs. So. Uh, my belief on whether this will turn out to be successful varied a lot in the last four days, but my current probability is 15%. And when I say this, uh, people around me are surprised because they think it is too low. But to me, 15%, like one in six or one in seven chance of the, uh, changing the world is really high. And uh, they think, uh, if it is 15%, why are you spending all the time on it? And uh, I don't understand that objection. So uh, also, there is a prediction market on the internet called Manifold, And I note that uh, their current market price is also 15%.
0: I will say one additional thing about the the prediction markets, given that folks have you know, playing money in there. And there's poly market with actual money, I think, and manifold as well. Uh, for folks who want to follow along with like the latest and greatest news, that's also a great resource, right? So you can definitely follow the folks on stage, and I encourage you to, to do so. Follow Andrew, follow 2 Pi, follow Marsh, who just joined us. Uh, Jesus, Eli, Andrew, and uh, Sanghyun and Ken and everybody here on stage you know, follow me if you want. Uh, I'll cover this as well. However, the the prediction markets have people who are betting on this. There's quite a lot of money there. And so they usually also rush out kind of the news first. And uh, that's also like a very good resource for you to stay up to date. Um, So 15% from Sun I want to get to Ata next because he he was first on stage. Give us your
2: probability. All right. So I don't know anything about the science. All right. Um, I know people... And I know academics and you build a stock of credibility, you know, through a lifetime of research and credentials so that you get taken seriously. And these guys decided to incinerate their entire livestock, lifetime of credibility on this. Right. The entire lifetime of credibility. You spent like 30, 40 years building this up and you build up this enormous poker stash. And you decide to put it all on one roll of the roulette wheel. That says something, right? So I, I'm I'm thinking it's like 80 percent that you can detect some form of superconductivity in there. I'm thinking that you know to get it into production, like to get it into like a thin film material, is going to be tough, and uh, you know uh, manufacturing and mass is going to be tough. I'm thinking like those things are gonna you know, we're still we still gonna have like real challenges before we actually see this in product. And for me, the reality of the of the situation is like you only know, no, know, know something when you get it in the product in your hand. So I think that's gonna take a couple of years. I don't think that's gonna get you know sorted out. and we're gonna be in this muddy phase for a while, like and then we're gonna argue like it's not really the kind of superconductivity that we expected, like blah, 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 blah. but i I, I kind of think it is. So I think these guys incinerated. Their stock of credibility for a reason uh and all of them did it at once like it, it, you know it's done it's done your your credibility is done like you have put all of it down on this roll of the dice
0: and so it's that's there yeah that's a very passionate 80 percent from Ada uh andrew colt i want to hear from you next if you don't mind and then
8: uh, we'll go yeah I, I appreciate the sentiment there putting your reputation on the line you know, Warren Buffett has this great quote, reputations are built over decades and they can be lost in minutes. Um, I wouldn't doubt that these researchers believe their results and that they're eager to put it up there and, and all this kind of stuff. I think that's independent of the results having a high chance of success. Um, you know, I'm, I'm personally maybe, just because I have seen previous retractions in the field that were quite high profile at time and failures reproduced and so forth, um, still more in the 10, 15%. Um, you know, people, people, okay, so people ask... Why would you be so interested in this thing if it has a 10% chance of working? Because a 10% chance of the world changing is a, is a huge deal. The expectation value on that is massive, right? Um, I would also second the motion that uh, if this does pan out, there's a long road ahead to get this to work, right, in industrial applications, right? So, So having it resilient to strain, having it work within high-strength magnetic fields, getting good current density, and so forth. But if that happens, I'm you know that's an, that's a win. Like like count that as solved. That's just a matter of time. Um, the big stochasticity here is finding the right location in the space of possible materials. And and I think there's some of the good points here. Maybe this isn't strictly a superconductor in in you know in the way we think about it. It could still be a very interesting material, and it still it may be very suggestive of types of crystals and material compositions to look into into the future as well. So so it's not an all or nothing in my mind. But that being said, it's still be in the sort of 10 to 15%. You know, this this is going to hit <laughs> kind of range. That's, that's
0: great. Uh, Eli, you want to go next?
6: Sure. I, I have to break it down, though, in, in a number of different ways. Two-thirds chance that they actually had their hands on actual uh, semiconductor-ish uh, materials. In other words, it might not be a classical type 2 superconductor, but it displays at least some of the properties. Um uh, a one in three chance that uh, somebody uh, replicates it, and a one in ten chance that this is what winds up being uh, a commercial material, but a two thirds chance that uh, it leads to if, if it ever is at all a superconductor material. So conditional probability, a two thirds chance that it does uh, at least indirectly, directly or indirectly lead to a, a commercial material in less than five years.
0: Uh, that's awesome. Um, I want to hear from, uh, let's see, who, who got on stage, RoboBeat uh, went down. Uh, Ken, do you, wanna, uh, you came up, you want to give us a probability?
10: Yeah, I mean, I um, am an electrical engineer by training. um, Solid state chemistry is definitely not my field. So for a rough probability, I would have to put it at the prediction market um, value of around 15 percent. Probably a little bit lower because I think people tend to overstate the probability of things that have positive outcomes. So maybe lowering that down to five to 10 percent. But one thing I will note is uh, when we're in spacecraft engineering, very often we have probabilities in the 1 in 1,000, 1 in 10,000 chance. But what we we spend a lot of time thinking about those probabilities because the expected value of those events is very high. You can lose a spacecraft. You could cause harm to individuals or capital. Um, you could lose your FAA licensing. Um, and because of that, um, I know that even things that have a low probability of success are extremely valuable to work on. Um, and you really have to think of the expected value. So the expected value of this outcome is extremely high, so it deserves all the attention possible until the probability is driven near zero.
0: That's awesome. Um, we just had uh, Ben come up, and Ben was here um, in in the beginning. Ben, have you heard the question? Yes. And what's your probability? Yes. Give us uh, your thoughts here. Thank you, yeah, I'm,
1: I love these prediction markets. I'm heavily on manifold. Um, I tend to agree with Eli that uh, I think there's a pretty high chance that it's superconductor-ish, um, because if it's this new whatever quantum well superconductor, whatever they whatever they define it as, eventually, um, I think yeah, something around 50 to 60 percent chance that it's that they have superconductor-ish material. I would say yeah, something closer to 15 to 20 percent that it is replicated in that sense that a lot of these prediction markets want to want to find out. Um, that it is replicated as a superconductor as they described it in the paper. So a lot lower. Those are my
9: estimates.
0: Who did we not get to? I think Jesus. Uh, We didn't get to yet. You want to give us uh, where you stand? We're so back. Just kidding. Um,
9: (laughs) I I want to believe that more than anything, but I, I kind of... So there's nothing physically impossible about this, which is what I like the most. And even if this one isn't the one, I actually believe that this kind of weird, this unusual theory they have for why it works uh, could actually lead kind of, they delve further into the theory and and go and kind of follow this line of investigation. I think this could lead to to the one. Um, But most of the people who I know that are, like absolute experts on this. They don't seem super excited by it. Um, Ada pie made an amazing argument, I think, which is like, why would the researchers uh, like fabricate this, I definitely don't think it's fabricated. Um, I think they probably believe it. But there may be some, you know, issues with the data, essentially. Um, so overall, I'd probably go for like a 10%. Not to be a doomer, but something like this. But I actually do think this is inevitable. uh, Like, eventually.
0: Andrew, go ahead. Okay, yeah, I'll take a a
3: slightly different perspective, like a lot of great opinions here. So I think that if it is actually real physics, whatever the percentage is that it is actually real physics, that humanity has realized a superconductor at this temperature range, I think that it is a 99% ninety nine percent possibility that we will commercialize it, that we will find a way to make this useful to extract economic value from this material. So it's probably it feels to me like a 10 or twenty percent chance that it's actually real physics. Like I, I've done a lot of experiments, you know echoing Ken's statements. It, it is easy to mess up the physical experiments. But if this is a real phenomenon, if this is real physics, then I have absolute confidence that the capital markets will grab onto it and integrate it into our, um, our economy. And so let's say 20% that it's real physics and 19.9% that we will figure out a way to commercialize it and make it useful for humanity.
0: Everything I heard on stage so far, from the haphazard kind of multiple paper release to the scientists involved, and they're working on this for some of them twenty years. Uh, the mm-hmm. professor emeritus uh, Choi or chair, I think Choi, um, who's kind of on his on his deathbed, pretty much like asked them to to, to kick this up again um, or something like this. Um uh, are, are you doing a thumbs down? Did I say yeah yeah
2: Be- because because you have to understand that there's these like little weird scientific cults that build up over time and they they often end up in like this kind of like circular circular motions of like you know getting caught in like analytical traps or like local local minimums and it happens all over the place that that's the whole reason you have like peer review and like stuff you you have to get stuff out of your you like your local area and get someone else to review it so I I think I think like all of that stuff doesn't matter like like the the whole like you know the three person group together from the Korea University is completely like meaningless like the people who matter in this are like Kwon and Hyungtak who came in from the outside who joined in later and were not part of this like cult movement basically
0: yeah and so the fact that uh, so let me let me just like change up my thought here uh, The story about this we're like it's not just something that they came up with, like they've been trying at it for multiple times. some folks said like a thousand different tries, etc. the external scientists who got either attached to this or, or, or were required for money to flow or like for actual patents to, to land. And the fact that those external scientists, like you said, are potentially not part of the cult, right? Uh, it's not part of the name, etc. And they're still willing to put their reputation online. Uh, those all signals of, Hey, we could have something here Uh, by way of probability. I'm just going to go crazy and I'm in the we're so back camp. Uh, Let's put it at 40% uh, because I just, I, I want, to believe, look at how much interest this generates. It doesn't matter if it replicates or not uh, because you know, we're not putting money. I'm not putting money (laughs) unless uh, I'm putting some money fold. However, the, the potential outcome for this is incredible. The the excitement that this generates is incredible the other stuff that humanity kind of progresses towards while we speak uh and the 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 insane pace of innovation that happens over there means that even if this is not like fully baked like some folks said here even if they have like directional interest uh i i wanted to follow up this with a question about the quantum wells and, and different type of stuff um however the the other progresses we're making in computational Uh, a power for humanity seems to me that you know this could also help us progress there and so I want want to put myself at 40% and just like strongly believe uh Marsh go ahead next and I think folks were we're at exactly two hours and this has been very uh, fruitful so after this Marsh I think we'll do like a round of uh, applause for folks on the on the on the stage and then we'll close out so Marsh go ahead and feel free to also uh shout out
7: okay so I I'm asking this and I don't wanna come across as cynical um, or jaded or or anything, but I think it's a question that a lot of people have. And that is, how is it that there are six different uh, PhD researchers on these papers from four different institutions and we're still asking questions about whether the data is accurate? Whether we're seeing correct voltage readings, whether we're just some of the basic science measurements. Um,
2: okay, so I have
7: I have a I have a response to
2: that, which is that they didn't have money, so uh, the the funding was very limited. Um, they may not have had money for all of the equipment that they, they that they needed, um, and in fact, like you know, the, the the they have photos of the ESR machines, like they're using like maybe secondhand ESR machines. Um, they needed to pull in Quan for the squid machine. Without, without, without Quan, they would not have had the squid machine. So uh, they, they had a very limited budget. Like, these guys were like really like doing artisanal stuff. so
0: And to this point I will highlight uh, Elsa's pinned tweet on top um, where there's like a vendor of ingredients says that they're like uh, sudden surge of lead orders. Uh, in China is happening, and so many, many people are trying to replicate and potentially get to some of these measurements. Uh, so, I, Marsh, yeah, I, I hear you, uh, and I think a, a to pi like, presents an interesting theory of why not the, you know, uh, just materials could not, oh, or sorry, they may have like either ran out of money or operated in a very limited budget, uh, but now, <laughs> with the world believing, and I, what I've heard, heard from all of you on stage is, that, like, you know, we're in the Above twelve percent for most of you, at least, uh, which sounds incredible to me. I wanna, I wanna start closing this out, folks. I'm uh, starting to close my voice; it's uh, way past midnight, and it's a Monday. Uh, I wanna get to some folks. I wanna start with uh, Sung um Hyun, and feel free to, you know, to to tell us what you think, and and if you wanna plug something, this is the time. And folks, definitely follow Sung Hyun.
4: Also, that uh. I think the archive upload may have been the most successful clickbait in the history of the internet. Like, I mean, if they didn't, they were too poor to buy the necessary equipment, now uh, probably the measurement of equipment money is no object.
0: All right, so uh, let's go and uh, say our bye-byes. goodbyes, folks. If you want to plug something in, this is your chance. There's a big audience here listening. I will say just one thing before we kind of start naming names and saying goodbyes: is that all of the folks up on here on stage uh, are in this like Twitter list that uh, we're trying to to collect, and we will be following different updates in there as well. Uh, and if things change, uh, definitely expect more from this group. Uh, I want to get to Andrew. Andrew, code. Feel free to. Uh, plug whatever you have, and those uh, your thoughts here, and then we'll get to Ben. And- Great. Thanks, guys. Yeah, appreciate the space. Um, yeah,
8: not going to plug too much. I'd, I'd say just reach out. Uh, if you're in San Francisco and you're interested in discussing artificial intelligence, as it could apply to material science and the future of humanity, get in touch. I like to host discussion groups once a week on these topics. Um, and, you know, uh, any way this shakes out, it's an amazing time to be alive. And the number of miracles that our modern lives are built on that provide con- convenience and leisure time and abundance in the material world is incredible. And, and be thankful that scientists are out there taking these reputational risks, putting their chips on the table to try to get these things out there. So um, yeah, thanks again for the space and uh, let's, let's stay optimistic.
0: Thanks, Andrew, and also folks, Andrew writes a, a sub stack, I believe, so please go subscribe and, and, and read his stuff. Thanks, Andrew, for the great experiential stuff. I want to just acknowledge Danielle, uh, who we tried to get up here uh, for a while in a group chat, and I want to hear your uh, your numbers, Daniel. If you want to speak, um, go
11: uh, Hi, guys. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Um... People started to split out uh, two different numbers between like the likelihood of something being superconductor-ish, which I guess means, you know, a significantly better conductor than copper, resistance near zero, versus what people call like a traditional superconductor, which I guess means basically either the strong form of the Meissner effect or some flux spinning like in a type two superconductor. Um, and I just want to make the strong case that like the necessary thing for it to be a superconductor in my book is that it is a superconductor its conductivity is high and I think that they it seems more likely than not that they have actually found something but it also seems definitely true that they have never had the the money or the resources um, to fully master the, the baking of this so I've seen so many different people from around the world you know being completely ready to say is it fake is it not it replicates it doesn't replicate oh it doesn't replicate oh it's over you know like oh it's diamagnetism like people don't know like how to bake it and make the same thing like there hasn't been samples like but it seems quite likely as many had made the point that um, they have found something and that's going to get investigated, and I think that this is this is you know way more real as a matter of physics than uh, than people have patience for in a sort of one to three day uh, consideration of, of like 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 a tension cycle. Um, but I'm super excited. I think this is one of the most exciting discoveries. It's likely to be one of the most exciting discoveries in, in, in solid state physics ever, and and it and it could be uh, pointed towards the direction of of developing a useful superconductor, although I think you know the chance that we would use this without 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 changes uh, widely um, is 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 almost nil. This is always just a starting point, um, and and I'm I'm very excited and still very excited to see what happens next.
0: So that's it. That's awesome, Danielle. Thanks for uh, coming up and giving us uh, your thoughts here. Uh, I want to get to Ben next. Ben, feel free to. Um... To to summarize your point and and uh, feel free to plug in whatever you want and uh, why people should you know.
1: Yeah, nothing to plug in particular, but um, yeah, material science is awesome. I mean, I I really hope this brings attention to like I mean, it's kind of a niche field in between chemistry and physics and a bunch of other stuff, but this is like really core material science stuff. So it's it's pretty cool to see people like discussing and learning about it. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see where this goes. I really just hope they send this to somebody who can put it in an electron microscope. I think that's like really the first step to figuring out what it even is. So <laughs> someone should do that. <laughs> Definitely.
0: <laughs> awesome. Uh, Eli, you want to go next?
6: Uh, sure. Um, so kind of like really on the same wavelength as, as a lot of other people. Um, I come at this from a number of angles. Um, I'm material science adjacent. I do stuff in in nanofabrication by a a whole uh, wide variety of methods, and uh, I'm kind of looking forward at some point to – to Trying to uh, integrate uh, parts of this, if if you know anything is verified to be here, because I won't be on it quickly enough, and I hope uh, other people settle this first um, in, into uh, my nanofabrication uh, uh, tech stack. I, I do want to kind of like plug that um it, it is directed to things that can be part of near closure self-replicating systems and the important thing about that is that's an, that's a technology that once it's established inherently scales uh, including two global sized problems and and one of the really important ones not the only one is uh removing uh, excess carbon dioxide from the ocean and the atmosphere because uh uh it's becoming clearer and clearer that uh Uh, The risks of climate change have actually been underestimated, and uh, we need a better plan that we have both for that and for supporting uh, civilization uh, uh, renewably and regeneratively, and we can do that. And with uh, something along the lines of self-replicating systems, we can actually uh, rewild uh, most of the world, 90% of the world, and have uh, a human population that's probably on the order of 20 billion plus. Right. So the future is very different uh, than than most people uh, imagine if we can get through this difficult patch that we're in.
0: Let's go. This is a great finisher, Eli. Thank you. Yeah. Jesus, go ahead.
9: I think... Uh, even though I said 10%, I still think that that's kind of like a really high expected value sort of bet, because this is a technology that would, it's profoundly uh, revolutionary. I think it could change almost everything on earth. So the the thing I'm most interested in is like, Andrew mentioned that there, Andrew, Co- that there's going to be like a reading group in SF. I, I live in SF. I think this stuff is super cool. And it could uh, it could maybe be the basis for like the next Intel. So I'm also really interested if anybody's actually trying to um, replicate it or something like this in the city. Um, yeah, I'm curious if anyone's doing that. Because it's something I'd love to get involved in personally.
0: Right. Uh, if you guys uh, have replication attempts in San Francisco, uh, at Jesus to there. Uh, Marsh, go ahead. Marsh, if you're still with us, still oh yeah, it. yeah.
7: I, I, thanks for the opportunity to speak to everybody. Um, this is a really interesting discussion. I, I know we're all just really anxious and excited to hear of the first news of somebody who says, you know, I got it to work, or you know, we tried everything in our you know highly professional lab and it can't make it work. That
0: would be news too. Yeah, that's great. Um, uh, Andrew, and then A to pie, and then I'll close us out and go to try to sleep after this. <laughs> Andrew uh, uh So, Andrew, before yeah. before I give you a finishing thing, I, I did have a question in the audience who asked, "What's next for Varka replication attempts? Are you going to keep going, and what are you working on?" And then feel free to to finish us, uh, you know, with the final statements or, or something.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I, I I agree with a lot of that uh, of the points that have been made. But I think the the most important thing to emphasize is finding out if this is real new physics. If this is actually room temperature superconductors, the entire economic landscape of humanity changes. This is an inflection point. This, even if it's 1% possibility, the expected value is still positive. So to me, the most important thing in the world is to verify that the actual physics are valid. Uh, My replication experiments are insignificant in comparison to figuring out if this is a real thing. If, if this is a real thing, then the entire the resources of the entire world will pile behind uh, commercializing this To We will put resources behind the development of this idea, but first we have to figure out if it's valid. So, What I'm doing is not as important as actually taking the physical samples from the uh, authors and proving it. We can get to that proof point, then everything else is just engineering. If we can de-risk it to the point where you take it from the science level to the engineering level, then that's the inflection point. So I feel like that's what we have to have to do. My experiments are not likely to result in success on the first or second or fifth try because of all the reasons stated before. But it does call a lot of attention to it. It emphasizes the importance, the economic value of, of the thing that we're looking at. So, if um, it, the, the plug is if, any, if anyone in Los Angeles wants to look more critically at the materials that we produce, to do material characterization. Uh, We would love to partner with the professionals in the field, put the physical samples in the hands of the people they can pass judgment. That would be wonderful. We'll keep pushing forward. Uh, We've got a couple different partners already. And so we should have physical samples done by Tuesday. And so at that point we'll pass them off to people and start evaluating the actual characteristics of the system Um, and start turning these theories into measurable, physical samples and measurable numbers. Uh, Uh, Quick uh, quick mention.
0: One one sec, please. One sec, please. Uh, Andrew, I know I said like we're closing down. However, I will be uh, remiss, I think is the is the word if I want to ask you about space because one thing that excites people about this is the potential for you know changing energy, but also one of the things that people look look up to is space. And I personally never heard of larger space before you started this. So pushing back on your uh, attempts as as you kind of t- try to downplay them, I think there's many people, and we've seen the excitement around Twitter, who try to follow you, take this thing and try to kind of run with this and publicly. And I think this inspires a lot of people. And first of all, thank you for doing that. And second of all, thanks for hopping in the space uh, to chat with us. Please continue. And uh, number two is please give us like two minutes on Varga space. I want to hear, I haven't heard before. I think space is very exciting and there's plenty of people in this audience who even if the superconductor stuff doesn't replicate yeah. would definitely want to hear about part of space. Can, can you do us this favor?
3: Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure thing. I'll I'll try to offer a balanced opinion here is that I'm excited about this because there's there's very little materials that make sense to do in outer space. There's five or six that really make sense that produce positive economic outcomes. That's what it's all about. At the end of the day, you know, you have to make a profit. You have to push a value into the market to for anything to be worth anything. And so we will never make these things in space. The, we should be trying to make superconductors for $5 a pound in the terrestrial market. What we're doing is a very niche market um, on, on the Varda side. You know we're trying to develop technologies to advance uh, humanity into the solar system. We're trying to realize we're trying to figure out where novel physics can be exploited, turning off one of the fundamental forces. So my day job is crystallization and figuring out how to, if we can turn off one of the fundamental forces of the universe, realize economic value in a particular field. Um, it's a very similar, Equation on the the superconductor side, Um, but the impacts are much much higher. So I, I this is inherently interesting to me because it's humanity level impact. You know we're we're attempting to make a an impact in a particular market, pharmaceuticals, but this technology has the ability to impact the entire course of humanity. This rewrites some of our basic uh, operating principles about thermodynamics. This unlocks a, this unlocks the ability for engineers to operate with a new class of materials. So it, it is incredibly exciting. So I think what, how I would summarize it is that it's, it's really important to, um, to not lose sight of the fact that you have to push like economic value to, to mankind, however you do it. When we look at these basic scientific advancements, you always have to think about how does this advancement translate into market value, into um, an advantage for humanity? And how is how are we going to turn this into a product? And so that's why everyone is so excited about this because the, the, the possibilities are undescribed at the moment. They are absolutely, absolutely if, huge.
10: Absolutely Add to huge. The, the plug, um, one thing I might say is uh, right now the space economy is much more fragile than it seems, um, as someone who came from SpaceX uh, for quite some time. And there is this chasm of death that the space industry is facing between... Where we're at right now, where standard commercial communication satellites and similar are being launched, and those um, are profitable, but only up to a degree before they hit saturation, if we really want to um, extend our capabilities as a species and really take advantage of the resources in the solar system, we need to expand our space capabilities very dramatically. And not just in what we're... Um, what I used to do at SpaceX, not just in the launch, not just in communication satellites. We need to be able to work in space, return materials, um, change orbits, all of the above. And I think Varda is really attempting to carry us through that chasm in between a society that has a large number of uh, satellites in low Earth orbit and being able to extend uh, larger into the solar system and really do much more than just have flying cell phone towers, like really being able to take advantage of the resources in our solar system by first coming up with profitable use cases for all this launch capability we have. So I really see Varda as us bridging the gap to expanding
0: our resource capability beyond the earth. That's awesome. Thanks again uh, for joining folks. Check out Varta Space, uh, for Andrew Ken. Eta uh, Pai, uh, f- finish us off before I say the final kind of goodbyes. Um, and then uh, we'll okay, I
2: mean, I, I, I think it's uh, super exciting, um, and I I like I like the human drama aspect of it. I, li- I like the fact that more people are getting pulled into the science, and um, you know, it, 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 you know, there, there's science and then there's production, right? Like the science is only the first hurdle production is often an even bigger hurdle. Um, and, you know, I'm in, I'm in biotech, like, um, you know, something like 9 out of 10, you know, treatments, you know, work in mouse models. Uh, and, they, you know, you never even get into, you know, phase 3. So, you know, let's, you know, we, we have to take it with a pinch of salt. But it's still very exciting to see, uh, you know, basic stuff come out. The other thing I'm pretty excited about is that for me, I see the, the guys coming out of uh, these two guys are basically 100% of their time graduate work was in Korea. And so one of my theories is that as we all get integrated into the internet more and more, we all read the same things and we all get into this like monoculture. And especially in science, that's that's terrible because you don't get to search out like new nodes on the tree if everyone's thinking the same. So I think it's very exciting that you know they you, you know they they ha- maybe the subculture works right. Um, the third thing is that I think most of the basic material stuff in this century is probably going to come out of Asia because I think the U.S. has lost a lot of its like basic materials like you know progress. I, I don't even think people are aware that the last uh, big basic materials discovery was the high pressure acid leach process for nickel which basically transformed the nickel market. I don't think most Americans are even aware that that happened in the last, like, 20 years. Uh, And that came out of China. And no no Nobels were awarded for it. And it was uh, really a process improvement in the manufacturing uh, of uh, transforming, like, low-grade nickel ore into, you know, steel-grade, you know, uh, nickel inputs. So I think it is is more likely it's going to come out of Asia. Um,
0: And I think, uh, you know, it's exciting to see. Awesome. Uh, folks, follow Aetapai because without his like sleuthing, none of this would have happened, uh, so definitely, definitely follow him. I want to close this off. It's uh, two and a half hours that we've been here. Um, and some of the other followers of mine would potentially ask themselves, like, hey, what is Alex who talks about AI usually? What the hell does he know about superconductors? And I will say this: I'm excited about the potential of of humanity. I'm really excited about this. AI was part of the reason why I was excited about this. Um, if if there's any plugs that I can give, uh, they they are relevant here because I really uh, really got uh, very friendly with uh, Sanghyun and uh, the the startup that I work at is called Targum, which is allowing. Uh, removing language barriers and translation barriers. And in fact, when when Sanyang told me, like, "Hey, we will I have to speak?" You know, there, there's like a there's a cultural difference, et I told him, like, "Hey, no worries. Like, people need to know what's going on on the other side of the world." Uh, I think it's great that we have this ability now. I think it's it's collaborative and uh, like a boost boosted an amplifier I strongly believe in AI I have uh, weekly spaces if you're interested in following that feel free to follow me and then come to Thursday AI and uh, in fact part of this research was boosted by AI some stuff that Songhyun sent to me I then translated with, with like Claude etc. And I think those things are connected. Uh, hopefully, there, there was somebody who posted that, hey, we won't be able to you know, computationally figure out this, this specific problem. It's going to take like 100 million years or something. I don't believe that. I, I've seen progress happening. Uh, however, if to sum up the space, I'm excited about the potential here. Uh, as it, it will speed up everything else that we're also excited. I'm strong believer in you know these kind of findings that make the world a better place. We need the solution. We need it quickly. Eli talked about this. Multiple people have experienced this summer. This could help. Uh, whether or not this specific thing helps, I don't know. But if the excitement helps get funding into researching more of this, like other people on the stage helped. uh, And we've all here on stage helped even a little bit with the excitement. We've had a few VCs in the crowd. We've had some heavy hitters in the crowd. If we're able to help the excitement, like shift the human interest, like uh, put a spotlight on this specific thing, that will eventually you know, potentially unlocks so much, then we've done our job. Uh If we're able to, like, uh, imagination unlock, we had multiple folks here with superconductor experience, and they said, hey, superconductor is incredible, and we're advancing, like, it's going higher in temperatures. We just need more work, more funding. If we're able to do this, also great. And so uh, for that, I definitely recommend you guys follow Andrew and his attempts and boost everything he, he does. Uh I Follow everybody here on stage. Uh If you... If you enjoyed it, uh, give us a like after that. And if there's going to be breaking news, we're going to come back here. Otherwise, I wish all of you a good night. Attention is one of the most precious things which humans can give. And the fact that all of you gave us like the two hour and a half attention uh, means everything to me, means everything to the host here. Um, I really appreciate your time and hopefully we'll meet again and we'll talk about how incredible this is after it did happen. With that, I bid you all good night. Thank you all for coming and uh, see you soon. Cheers. Thanks,
6: Alex. Thanks, everyone.
0: Cheers, everyone. Thanks for uh, coming up and hosting together with me. Bye-bye.